Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast, powered by I Promise. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Max Kranich, bouncing ball to second. Huh, how about this start? This is some kind of special. Five perfect innings for Max Kranich on 50 pitches in his Major League debut. Chopped towards short Newman to first. Raise the Jolly Roger as Max Kranich. Wow. Five perfect innings gets his first big league win. We fought our ass off, you know, still in a, through a rain delay and through, you know, getting down early, but you know, that's, it's a good trait and it's a trait that I rely on, but we got to quit getting down early, <laughs> you know, and that's, it's really a pretty, pretty clear. Well, the Cardinals fought their asses off this weekend, but they <laughs> did not win very much. They lose three out of four against the pirates it's been a rough stretch, boys, and I thought it was encapsulated perfectly on Sunday. You heard that audio that is courtesy of AT&T Pittsburgh, their call on the game that went a lot better for the Pirates than it did the Cardinals. The Pirates sent out a pitcher who nine days prior to facing the Cardinals last night faced the Cardinals AAA club, a club that had Lars Newt bar on it at the time. He throw a no-no. He did not. Yikes. Perfect game. He allowed five runs in five innings against the Memphis Redbirds. Oh, so what you're saying is Memphis oh. is better than the Cardinals. No, they are one of the worst teams in their division. Well, raise the Jolly Roger. <laughs> he then comes up to the big leagues, and in his major league debut, he has an RBI in the first inning. Yeah, he does. And then he goes out and shoves throwing five perfect innings against the Cardinals. He was the first starting pitcher in more than 100 years to finish his debut with at least five perfect innings. And it happened at the expense of the Cardinals lineup once again. It's the perfect encapsulation of where the Cardinals are right now. But, but... He's our number one prospect. Did the Cardinals work their asses off? They did. They battled really hard. They came back a little bit later on in that game. Who cares if they battled? Did they have fun out there? That's all that matters. I actually think the answer is no. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I think see, the Cardinals are having a whole lot of fun I right see now. Nolan Arenado's face every time they show it in between innings, and that doesn't look like they're having a lot of fun out there. All right, it was a tough weekend then. So we talked a lot about this 20-game stretch, right? The Cardinals were facing 20 consecutive games. Yeah, they needed to go 13 and 4. 13 and 7. I thought you said 13 and 4. 
Well, I probably did, but let's clarify. I was 13 and 7 <laughs> over the 20 games. <laughs> well, they're 13 games in, and uh, it's not going well, boys. What is it, 1 and 12? No, it's not that bad. If you set your expectations that low, it's been pretty good, actually. Has it though? Right. You just you were swept by Detroit and you lost three or four to Pittsburgh. I think one in I think one in twelve would be worth would be five better. and eight. It was only a two game set. Okay, Detroit. you're five and eight, but then you take the three games that you beat the Marlins out of this, and then what are you really? Two. Two, two and eight. eight. Yeah, okay. Two and eight in your oh, last okay. ten. And those one victories both came when Adam Wainwright was on the mound. And the rough part is you're one in five combined against the Tigers and the Pirates. Got Guys, there's no bright spot. You were beat three or four games of the Pirates. You were outscored 21 to 11. You scored 11 runs against the Pirates in four games. Don't tell that to Mike Schilt because he said that that's for better over the weekend. What? <laughs> he said what? <laughs> he, he said that the at-bats were better. We'll talk about that in a minute. He what is happening? Said, he also said that, and I think this is a big step for Mike Schilt and the Cardinals. They do seem to know what the problem is, Alex. It's clear what's happening with our team. We can't get our starters to go deep. We walk too many people, and we have been too predictable offensively. And there's a lot of reasons for that. And now it's about the solution. And this group's finding their best way to find a solution. Make sure the lineup, have hard conversations about some hitting philosophy things, change Dusty that. But eventually, we guys got to go play and do it. Okay, hold on a minute, though. He just listed off all of the problems, but I did not hear a solution. <laughs> that's the problem. No, that's I thought that was the solution. <laughs> well, the lack of solutions. Like, he just literally listed, well, I know what the problems are. We can't go deep. Too many walks. We're not getting the hit. The problems are they can't hit, they can't pitch, they can't play defense right now. So what's the solution? I don't know. I Lars don't know. Newt-Bar. I, th- this is this is the the million dollar question for the Cardinals right now. All right, so your pitching staff, that's unfair. Your starting rotation stinks right now other than Adam Wainwright. It hasn't been good, let's be honest. Let's call a spade a spade. So what's the solution? Well, apparently for right now, it's Wade LeBlanc. Woohoo! LeBlanc! <laughs> Wade LeBlanc so far over the last three years. In three years... He's made 15 starts. Can we get a sounder of Tanner's? <laughs> Woo! Are you little? Are you Mario now? Woo-hoo! What's going on? Oh, he doesn't say woohoo. It sounded like something Mario or Luigi would have said. It's, it's a me, a Mario. Mario. Oh god, on, we're, we're off the rails. Wade LeBlanc in the last three years made 15 starts. In those starts, he has an 8.6 ERA. If Wade LeBlanc is the answer to the question, you're asking the wrong question. <laughs> However. Psychology. He appears to be the answer to the Cardinals question right now. So that's one. Oh. Carlos Martinez starts tomorrow. Oh, he's the answer. He ain't the answer, but the Cardinals don't have other options. Then you've got KK. I don't really trust KK right now, but go ahead and keep throwing him out there because you can't do a whole lot. He's been okay. He's, no, he been, he's better than your other options. And then we've got Johan Oviedo, who yeah. last yesterday just didn't look like a major league starter. Remember when you guys were saying that this guy's going to be a star pitcher for the rotation? I still think he can be. I really Oof. do. I, I like Johan Oviedo. I'm, I'm a little concerned that, that he might be broken mentally by the time he gets to be in the rotation because of them putting him into this position too early. He might be. Like yeah. I'm, I'm really concerned what's happening to Oviedo is what they're trying to avoid with Matthew Libator. I completely agree with everything that you've said so far. Well, it's nice to be back. I Alex. just how, I, despite all of that, 
I'm still high on his upside. Yeah. I think that he has all of the stuff to be a stud major league starter in the next two to three years. He's 23 years old. He throws 95 plus. He has every pitch that you could ask for from a starter. You look at him and like, whether it be the mental capacity side of things, he seems to have that. Whether you look at the stuff, he's got all everything that you want from a young starter, he's got. But it's just not working right now because he shouldn't be in the big leagues. It's not on him. That's on the team. Yeah. He shouldn't be starting for your major league club right now. It, he should be developing down in AAA, but they need him out of necessity. It's on the team, and frankly, it's on the front office because we were sold this offseason of how many pitchers were in the depth system. There were eight or nine guys that could be utilized in a starting situation, which is why they didn't go out and sign a Cole Hamels or go out and sign a Corey Kluber or go out and sign one of the veteran pitchers because John Mozeliak said, well, we have eight or nine starting pitchers available to us. Well, you trade Austin Gomber, Miles Michaelis goes down, KK goes down, and then the whole thing breaks. Clarity goes down. The whole thing breaks. Two pitchers. You lose two pitchers at the beginning of the season. Season, and the whole thing breaks down. And now you're at three with Jack Flaherty and it really combusts. And that was that was really the straw that broke the camel's back. When Jack Poor Flaherty camel. got hurt, the Cardinals, it was May 31st when he got hurt. At that point in time, the Cardinals were in first place in the NL Central. Things were good. We were all excited. We were talking about Tyler O'Neill being an all-star. Nolan Arenado's getting every other night a standing ovation. Yadier Molina is hitting for power. We've got Tommy Edmond ma- winning a gold glove and making multiple all-stars in his career. Like, everything was dandy for the Cardinals. And then he gets hurt. And the Cardinals have gone 7-17 seven and 17 since his injury. Now they're in fourth place in the NL Central. They're eight games back of the Brewers. Somebody said earlier today, Randy Carricker mentioned that if the Brewers go 500 the rest of the way, the Cardinals would have to finish 16 games over 500 to beat them in the oh, division. That's possible. Things are not going well, and it all draws back to the rotation, and Mike Schilt talked about that over the weekend. The single biggest issue, set aside the offense for a minute, the single biggest issue is that the Cardinals currently have one starter they can count on. Is this kind of an anxious time for you, not exactly knowing what you're going to get out of your rotation from, from game to game, week to week? Uh, it's been that way for a period of time. Yes, sir. You know, we go in with with um, positive expectations, clarity what we're looking to do. But, yeah, I mean, we've gotten one guy that's been able to be consistent for us in over a month. You know, I mean, again, I don't think it's – I think it's pretty clear. I'm sorry, but that man sounds broken. I mean, that sounds like a How could bro- he not be? Uh, it's the same situation we saw with Craig Berube. I mean, when there's no other options, there's nothing you can do other than just give the cliche answers. And that's what he's doing right there. I'd argue with you on that one, though, BK. As much as I think the pitching's a problem, your offense is a massive problem. Because when your offense scores one run with, what, 15 base runners in a game? That puts so much more pressure on your pitchers to try and go out there and be perfect. You can't have Carlos Martinez going out there and thinking, I have to throw a no-hitter to get a victory today. I mean, you put it on in the rundown the last four days, BK. Game one, two runs, nine base runners. Four runs, 15 base runners. Three runs, 10 base runners. Two runs, five base runners. That's more of a problem, in my opinion, than your pitching staff. My, my thing, though, is with looking at over the weekend, two of these four starts... 
you have been out of it. You were out of it in the first inning. Carlos Martinez was uncompetitive in that first inning. Honestly, I thought they were going to have to go to the pin after the first inning. Oviedo walked, I think it was four in the first yep. inning, and then he had one, two, three innings in the second and the third. I don't blame the offense if the pitching pulls you out of the game within the matter but of an those were now, still reachable games I, I agree the game on the game on Saturday was the one or sorry the game on Friday is the one that really hurt because you lose that one five to four that felt like a game that you could win and then you, you build momentum you're gonna build momentum with Adam Wainwright getting the start on Saturday you lose that game you get the win and then you came back into Sunday with another question in Oviedo but the Carlos game and the Oviedo game were all attainable still I mean, Oviedo, it's 3 nothing after, what, the first inning. I mean, that could have been a lot worse, and he kept it 3 nothing. you got to get some support from your offense. Your offense has to tell your pitcher, hey, we got your back. But if they're going out there and putting guys in running and runners in scoring position and not doing anything, or if they're going out there and not even getting on base, what's that going to do to your pitcher? And even the Carlos game, like as much as I want to get on him today, he, he threw five, gave up five. I mean, it's not good. It's not what you want out of your starter. No. It's not that bad, though. No. That is not a complete blow-up where there, you have no chance of winning that game. And it's against the Pirates he needed to be better. I'm certainly not excusing the performance out of Carlos Martinez. It's not but good. you're right. The offense has to be better. That being said, I think these issues go hand in hand. Of course they do. I think the Cardinals right now go into every game with hope and belief that they're going to get things turned around offensively. And then they go into the first inning. And the starter gets shelled. And whether it be one run or three runs, they're walking guys. It takes 15 minutes, 20 minutes to get out of the inning. And now you're just, you let the air out of the balloon already after the top of the first inning. You go into the bottom of the first, maybe a struggle to scratch across a base runner, much less a run. And you feel like it's it's happening again. And then the shoulders start to slog. The heads go down. It's like, damn, man, how are we going to catch a break? And mm-hmm. then just continues the snowball effect from there we talked about it with dan i think this team is running into an issue of the starting pitching being poor especially early on the offense having a couple of bad innings and then they don't feel like they can get out of the hole that they've dug for themselves and it's happening every single night that adam wainwright isn't starting for this team right now yeah and and honestly and i might be in the minority here frankly i might be in the majority here I don't know how you can have what's happening to you right now for this stretch going back to May and not make some type of personnel change. We're going to talk about that next. It's 1116, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line to get involved in the show. We also want to hear from you today via the Rhino Shield mic drop feature. I'm curious, is there is there anger right now? Is apathy starting to settle in? Like, are you just completely out on the 2021 Cardinals? Where are you at on this team right now? We want to hear from you guys. The Rhino Shield mic drop feature, like I said, is on the 101 ESPN app. We'll hear from you throughout the day. But Alex just said something interesting. Is there a change that needs to be made? And where does that fall on the coaching staff side of things? Mike Schilt answered that over the weekend. We'll play it for you next on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Here you're asking a question because people want change. Um, And that's part of our society, um, you know, and I understand that change is necessary sometimes. I'm not going to, at this moment, sit here and make a coach um, a scapegoat for 
our inability to a be healthy <laughs> you know and, and b not to be able to perform as well as we'd like to on the field we i'll ultimately take responsibility for that i, I ultimately have to that was mike schilt when asked by brooke rimsley whether or not there are going to be changes made to the staff in response to the Cardinal struggles of late. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. First of all, great question by Brooke. It's the thing that we've been talking about for the last, what, month, two months now? What's going to happen with Jeff Albert? And it's open and honest, and I appreciate the fact that it was asked, and I appreciate, frankly, that Mike Schilt answered it honestly. He said, I'm not going to make a coach a scapegoat for the way that we've played offensively. Now, that being said, I did take one exception to his answer, Alex. He said that he's not going to make a coach a scapegoat because their inability to A, be healthy, and B, not to be able to perform as well as we'd like on the field. That A part of it, applies to the rotation if the question was about Mike Maddox and he said that totally fair absolutely agree with you that it is very difficult to evaluate the job that Mike Maddox has done this year given the talent that he's had to utilize what is the inability to stay healthy with this lineup who are the guys that have been super unhealthy because Harrison Pater of course when Bader goes we go Tommy Edmonds played 76 games. So has Arenado and Goldschmidt and Carlson. Yadier Molina, yeah, he's missed 18 games. Tyler O'Neill has missed 15 games or so this year. Paul DeYoung has not been good even when healthy, but he's missed about 25 games this year. There's your lineup. Like Harrison Bader is the guy that we are going to say, hey, we can't really judge the coach because Harrison Bader's been out for the majority of the season. Really? Because I know a lot of Cardinals fans that are listening to this right now that wouldn't have judged him any differently, even if Bader was in the lineup. Mm-hmm. Because Bader is not the guy you're you're relying on offensively. Part of me wonders too if if that's I don't want to say a shot at the front office, but that's Mike Schilt saying like, "Hey, we're only working with what we have." And look, the lineup that they have right now is what you expected going into the season. It's it's good enough to compete, and it's not doing that. But I wonder if that's Mike Schilt looking at it saying, we don't have any bench options. Like, we don't have any other. Our options are putting Tommy Edmond in the outfield and putting Matt Carpenter at second base. Lars Newtbar has been a breath of fresh air for this team right now so that Tommy Edmond can stay at second base. But your options are Carpenter and Sosa and Kisner off of the bench. And I think that's at least where I feel Mike Schilt is coming from. Look, I, I was the one that stood up and said, I don't think firing Jeff Albert makes a lot of sense because like at some point you can't blame the hitting coach. You have to blame the players. But I also believe that when you're in this long of a stretch, this isn't just a rut. I was listening to Mark Reynolds with you guys earlier on the Danny Mac show with BK. Great interview. And he talked about how it's a little bit of a slump. This is beyond a slump right now. This goes back to May 19th, right? Like this is longer than a slump. This is, this is dangerously treading on the line of, you have to make a personnel change because if you don't, things are going to continue this same direction. Right? Nothing's going to change from what they were before Jack Flaherty was injured to now, other than the same outcome every single game. I mean, you just lost three or four to the Pirates and were swept by the Tigers, two of the worst teams right now in, in Major League Baseball. How do you think that's going to get better against the Diamondbacks? How do you think that's going to get better against the Rockies, the Giants, the Cubs, the Reds? Because that's what your month of July looks like. So if they're not going to do it now, 
when you're inviting the Diamondbacks into St. Louis, that has not lost a series since, or none has, that has not won a series since May second. I think they got a two seventy eight win percentage right now. If you don't win the series against them, you have to fire somebody. Couldn't we have said basically the same thing about the Pirates? Well, yeah, that's I mean, what they, I'm, I'm they saying have... right now that they probably should. But if you're not going to. If you go, if you lose the series to the Diamondbacks, I don't know how you can tread forward and say this is our coaching staff. I, I don't understand how a move wasn't made heading into the weekend. Just I to don't shake understand things how, up. Like Mo's going to be on the morning show tomorrow. John Mosaylock is. I, I think I believe that's tomorrow. Nine thirty tomorrow. Yeah. So tune into that. Carriker and Smallman will have John Mosaylock, the president of baseball operations, on their show. So it's not like he's hiding. He's running and hiding or anything. But I'm legitimately stunned he didn't have a press conference over the weekend. Absolutely stunned. I thought you would hear from him so that way he could explain, you know, where the team is at, what their thought process is. And maybe this is as simple as he's he's basically saying, like, hey, there's nothing for me to say. You guys know it. You see it. And so there was no need for him to kind of speak publicly about it. But I was really surprised by that, both for the rotation move and for the decision not to make a move with the coaching staff. I, I thought he would be out in, in the open talking about that. Yeah. Sorry, Tanner, to, to I kind of cut you off there. No, but. I, I'm with you, but I. I was stunned that there wasn't a move made this weekend. Even if it wasn't even a coaching staff move, just something. Bring in some minor league pitcher or something. I Just something to shake up this team. This team is not – this almost feels like – you can't even compare it to the Blues season because the Blues were hurt. You could kind of understand that one. But it was one of those where it just felt like there's no way that team could win without shaking something up. And I look at the Cardinals – and something has to be done. And to me, it's on the hitting coach. I, I said Friday I would have moved. I don't like calling for someone's job, but I said Friday they should move on from Jeff Albert. And whether or not you want to blame Jeff Albert for the offensive struggles, I understand that. And we heard Mark Reynolds say it's sometimes on the players on preparation. I still think that something just has to be done. Just something. Matt Holiday said that with the fast lane yeah. over this past week, too. I heard him say that, like, the, as much that, as you want to blame the hitting coach, you have to put some blame on the players too, right? Go ahead, BK. Yeah, sorry. It it, it really kind of hit my ears whenever Matt Holiday said that with the fast lane on Friday because he's right. There is some ownership that has to take place from the players. But let's let's look at the players, right? Let's look at who we're talking about here because I think this is important. Okay, so Tommy Edmonds, the one that came out and said this. He came through the Cardinals organization. So if he doesn't know how to properly, and I'm not saying he doesn't, but if we're going to place the blame at the players instead of the pitching or the hitting coach, well, then let's talk about that side of things. If he doesn't know how to properly prepare for a game, well, then isn't that an organizational failure for not getting him prepared to do so? This is a Stanford kid. It's not like he is, he doesn't have the intellectual capacity to be able to do so. That that's problematic to me. Same thing for Dylan Carlson. He came through the Cardinal system. I don't think any of us are suggesting that Arenado, Goldie, or Molina don't know how to prepare for an in-game situation. And then same thing for Paul DeYoung. He came through the Cardinal series. Tyler O'Neill, the vast majority of the last, what, five years for his career have been spent here in St. Louis. Edmundo Sosa, Matt Car- These guys are homegrown. So if your players currently are not able to prepare for the game the way that they need to, That is an organizational failure. It is. And so whether it be the hitting coach that is currently in charge of them or their inability on whatever it is to get these guys to prepare in the minors as if they're playing in the majors, 
whatever it is, that's on the Cardinals. They've got to own that either way. There was one other thing that Mike Schilt said over the weekend, and I hope we're not being unfair to him because I want to say this on the front end. Mike Schilt doesn't have all the answers because there aren't a lot of answers for what's going on right now. He is in a no-win situation. His players are not performing, and he has to answer for that. And he comes out, and he speaks honestly to the media, and he says what he can. There's nothing good that he can come from this because – the team's losing. He's between a rock and a hard place. Anything he says is going to be put under a magnifying glass and say, oh, well, he's either being too positive or he's not pushing these guys hard enough. Like, there's nothing Mike Schilt can do. And I feel for the guy because, like, I've been around the man. I know how much he cares about the game. I know how much he cares about the team. I know how much heart and passion he puts into this. I've seen the day-to-day work. But there's nothing else Mike Schilt can say because every question he's going to get asked is going to be magnified to some point. So... Mike Schilt did have one comment, though, with all of that being said, that really struck my ears. And it's like, why why are you doing this? And he said that the Cardinals had better at bats over the weekend. And here's what it sounded like. You know, we get this big picture of it all stinks. And then we have four days of competent bats. We walk more. We strike out less. We're hitting the ball the other way. You know, we lose three to four. That doesn't help. I get that. But, you know, the last four days, our bats have been significantly better. Our walk rate significantly improved. Our two-strike hitting significantly better. Um, you know, we didn't – the guy, you know, pitched well for the first five. We didn't give in. We had some good bats late. Um, you know, so I've, I've addressed that part of it, and um, and I feel like we're in a you know, good spot. We're going in the right direction if people can give us some benefit of the doubt and look at it from the last four days moving forward. And there's going to be days, like I mentioned earlier, where guys pitch well and, and we don't get our swings off. But, and you know, it has something to do with the other side. But our last four days have been, you know – more representative of what we expect. And Alex, can I give you the numbers from the last four days from what the Cardinals have done offensively? Yeah, this won't hurt. He's right. The walk rate's up, strikeout rate's down. They've been making contact at a better rate, and they did walk a decent amount. They walked 12% of their plate appearances over the weekend. That's one of the best in baseball over that same stretch of time. Full credit where it's due. They hit 178. They got on base 29% of the time. Their slugging percentage was 315 in these games. And there was some bad luck. If you're looking at the batted ball metrics, their batting average on balls in play, absolutely there was some bad luck to it. But you know why there was bad luck? Because they hit a line drive 15% of the time, which was the second worst rate in baseball over this four-game stretch. The Cardinals aren't hitting the ball hard. So when when you're hitting the ball softly where the guys are, this is part of baseball. It goes poorly for you, and you have what appears to be quote-unquote bad luck, and maybe there is some of that, but you don't go from bad luck hitting the ball softly right at guys and batting one, whatever it was, 179 over the weekend, to batting 300 when that bad luck goes your way. This is not just bad luck. This is also that they're not doing the things that would put them in the more advantageous situations. Real quick, I mean, he's not wrong. Like, you had 39 base runners in the last four four games against the Pirates. So, like, that's good. But the problem... It's fine. But the problem persists where you're not scoring those runs. Like, game two and game three, you have 25 base runners in two games. And you score seven runs. That right there is the problem. I'm not talking. People aren't talking about the walk to strikeout rate or the contact rate or the whiff rate. They're talking about runs being scored against one of the worst teams in Major League Baseball who gives up the most runs in Major League Baseball. And you got no hit against them in five innings. You scored seven runs with 25 base runners. And then you scored two runs with nine base runners. Like, and as much as Mike Schilt says, you know, give us some leeway. 
the leeway is gone. It's over. This isn't a five game stretch. This goes back to the middle of May where you were three and a half up in first place. And now you're eight back of first place. And the thing that irks me, and again, you don't want to throw too much on Mike Schilt because he's playing poker with two twos in his hands. It's hard to win well, that you way. Split those two, you, you split those two twos. But I appreciate the analogy. What? what you double down on the twos. Play? Whatever. Anyways, what I was saying. Card down, though. You don't want to see it up because that's scary. <laughs> I'm not even sure what just happened. I thought I was making a clever <laughs> you, remark. You tried making anyways. a poker reference. Tanner's not good at poker, ladies and gentlemen. But anyways, the thing that irks me the most is that, you, like you mentioned, you get no hit. The perfect game for Max Kranich, a guy that gave up five runs to triple a memphis then you're going to come out in the press conference and tell me oh yeah we had good at bats no you didn't look good at all against a rookie a a rookie and that also goes to the preparation that goes to tommy edmund's statement when is preparation most important it's really important when you get to see a guy for the first time you have to dive into his minor league numbers and then he shows up and he throws almost a perfect game through five innings before a rain delay. That's unacceptable. And I don't want to hear any excuse come from anybody from the Cardinals organization when that occurs. Tanner's fired up. I love it. We're going to get Alex fired up coming up Whoa. next. We're going to start an off-season series of the Blues 10 off-season questions. And we're going to start with question number one. Is this team just missing too much size on the blue line? Plus, JR said something fascinating on on our show on Friday. Alex hasn't heard this yet. We'll play that for him next on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. You ready to break the ice, Alex? Let's break it, baby. It's time for the Blues 10 offseason questions. We're starting with number one today. We'll continue this over the next 10 days. The big questions facing the Blues heading into the offseason. And let's start with this one. Are the Blues simply missing too much size on the blue line? You look back to their defensive core in the playoffs in 2019. Basically, everybody was at least 6'2", 200 plus pounds other than Vince Dunn. Now you look at who the Blues have in their defensive core, and it's basically a bunch of Vince Dunn's. So, are they missing that, Alex? How much of an issue is that, and how how much of a priority should it be going into the offseason? Well, I think it's a simple yes, and I think if you look at this year's contenders for the Stanley Cup, frankly, you can go to the Final Four and look at the defensive core going for the Stanley Cup. Go back to last season. The Tampa Bay Lightning win the Stanley Cup, and passing my mind now who they played for the Stanley Cup, it was against the Dallas Stars. And look at the Dallas Stars defensive core. Jamie Alexiak. Jamie Alexiak, the big monster, the man beast on the blue line. You're missing that size. Montreal, in my opinion, and Tampa are the prototypical Stanley Cup champion defensive cores. L- let me list these guys to you. Victor Hedman, six foot six. Ryan McDonough, six foot one. I think that's being a little lenient. He's like six foot two, 215 pounds. You have David Savard, six foot two. Luke Shen, six foot two. Mikhail Sergachev, six foot three. That's five of your starting six guys. They don't have one guy who's less than six foot one. And I know size doesn't matter in terms of defensive or maybe it does matter. T-Bone, just make sure you remember those things. It's it's the play on Tinder. It's the play of the defensive unit with their size. Tampa plays physical in front of their net. There's a reason Andre Vasilevsky is so good is because he has clear sights to the puck nonstop. And I think that's what this Blues team is missing. You went through and listed this on our rundown for today, BK, and you went through the, the minutes per game for the Blues in 2019 Cup run. And like, let, let's look at this for a minute. Petro with 25 minutes. Pareko with 25. Bomeister 23. Edmondson 16. Dunn 15. Gunnarsson 15. Borch 12. 
I think you could take Pareko when healthy and put him into Petrangelo's situation. Sure. And I think you could put Justin Falk in Pareko's situation going into next season. Those are two guys I feel comfortable playing mm-hmm. 25 minutes a night, and I feel like they can compete. Who's replacing Bowmeister? Because it's not Tory Krug. Mm-mm. And it's not Marco Scandella. Tory Krug's probably closer to Edmondson Dunn minutes. And guess what? Tory Krug playing Edmondson minutes are not the same thing. Edmondson was playing those nasty minutes with Petrangelo on the top unit, just like Gunnarsson was. They were matching up against those top players, and he was shutting. He was the force on the blue line, while Petrangelo was the go guy. Krug is the go guy. But he's not playing 25 minutes like Alex Petrangelo. So after those top two for the Blues going into next season, there's a significant drop-off in my opinion. And size is going to matter because right now you got Wallman who's six foot, Dunn who's six foot if he's even here, Krug who's five foot nine, Mikola six foot four. But I don't know if Mikola is going to be in that heightened of a role. It's probably a Bortuzzo type of a role. Probably. So you are missing a couple of guys who are that size who can play that nastiness. And forget the size for a second, right? If we just set that aside, um, I think it's mostly about the aggressive mentality. Like, Bo Meester was a defensive defenseman. Edmondson, you see him in the playoffs right now. He wasn't the same player in, in St. Louis that he is today, but he was a hell of a player that wasn't afraid to get a, a play a little gritty. That's what the Blues are missing on the blue line. Like, whether that comes in a package that's six foot or six seven. Yeah. I don't much care at this point, but they just need somebody that can bring that style of play. It's interesting you brought up Tory Krug's name because when. Jeremy Rutherford was in on Friday. He said something during our show that I I was taken aback by, and I honestly didn't even know how to respond because I was so stunned. Here's what he had to say about Tory Krug. Don't rule out the possibility of the Blues potentially shopping Tory Krug. You know, if they decide that they want to keep Vince Dunn and they know they have Mikola in the fold and they know they have Perinovich coming, you know, do they move that contract? So as we sit here today and say, you know, the Edmondson situation that'd be better than what the blues have in Tory Krug maybe Doug Armstrong's able to flip Tory Krug for some help in a different area and maybe they bring in a different defenseman just so many things and that's why that creativity the potential for that is what intrigues me the most I don't want to make too much of this I don't want to suggest that JR was reporting this is going to happen it's not what he was doing he was speculating on if the blues were to get creative this offseason what shape could that take and Tory Krug was one of the names that he brought up Keep in mind, he's 30 years old next year. He's going to have six years and $39 million at $6.5 million per year remaining on his deal. That is a contract that is going to be massive for somebody else to take on right now. And he's got a no trade clause. What do you make of that, Alex? Frankly, I don't I don't think you move Tory Krug. If it's a competition right now between Krug and Vince Dunn. What if it's a competition of Krug and Jamie Alexiak? Like, not one-for-one one money-wise, but you trade Tory Krug, you bring in something. This is your hockey trade, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe this is what it would take to be able to go get, um, I don't know, Matthew Kachuk. Maybe they really Ooh. like Tory Krug, and they like Robert Thomas. And instead of Dunn, they get a guy that's locked up for the long term. I don't know if Krug would want to go up there or not. But if, you, if it's something like that, and it opens up some more cap space for you, maybe that's how it takes If it's it. for Matthew Kachuk... Yeah, but I don't think that's what it's going to be for Matthew Kachuk. Because, look, I don't know how many teams are calling about Tory Krug right now. Sure. He had an underperforming season. He's going to be paid $6.5 million until he's 36. But there's a couple of ramifications on the other side of this. You you aren't, in my opinion, you're not bringing back Mike Hoffman. 
So you don't have a power play guy. Tory Krug's a power play guy. Tory Krug, I think, could be a really good player for this Blues team if you utilize him in the specialist role that he was utilized in Boston with. I think you got to take advantage of that. Vince Dunn is the same player as Tory Krug. Yes, he's younger, but Tory Krug has been to Cup Finals. Tory Krug has been a part of successful teams. Tory Krug has something that Vince Dunn doesn't have. So I think I'd be sticking with Tory Krug. Another thing is Vince Dunn warrants you a nice return. If you can move him. What if they move both? Then you're taking a massive hit to your defensive core. And you got to go out there. and Then you're looking at Nico Mikola and you're saying, okay, guess what? You're going to be playing 18 minutes a night for us. Right now, you're our number two defenseman with Marco Scandella. And I just don't know if you want that on the left side. What if this team decided, you know what? We're going size. Size matters for the Blues. And yeah, it does. Going into next year, you have Alexiak with Pareko, Scandella with Justin Falk. And then on your third line defensive pairings, you've got some combination of like Santini, Mikla, Bortuzzo, and Perunovic. It's not terrible. No, it's not terrible. And I would be I would be 100% on board with that defensive unit. But I still think Tory Crew can be effective to this team more than Vince Dunn can be effective to this team. The other thing, too, that I think is important, and maybe this is me reading too much between the lines. Because maybe it's Perunovic that takes that role. That, and, that's kind of what I'm saying, right? A lot of this depends on where is Perunovic at right now. And you got Jake Wallman, who they played a lot last season, who's also going to be in that role. You got like four guys for two spots that are the same player. And I don't think you want all of that. Sure. But I don't know how that looks on an organization if you sign a free agent and then trade him the next season. Part of me wonders if that, and, and again, maybe this is me reading too much in between the lines, but how does that look to other free agents to the blues? If you sign a guy and then you trade him the next season because the signing didn't work out. I think it makes people second guess coming to St. Louis as a free agent. And I don't know if you want that wrap on your sheet moving forward with a couple of big off seasons coming up with free agent names. So let's wrap this up. Our big question here. Are they missing size on the blue line? We both agree they are. How do you address that? Do you is this something like if we if we take Tory Krug off the table for a second, get rid of that speculation, set it aside. You're probably moving on from Vince Dunn. We all assume this offseason, whether that be via trade or losing him in the expansion draft somehow, some way, probably going to end up elsewhere. Yeah. So where do you add that size? Is it Jamie Alexiak or Bust, or is there other options out there? There are other options out there. And, and frankly, I think you start via free agency and you find the right deal for a defenseman who matches it. To me, this is one of the biggest questions this offseason. Right up there with a the top left winger, you have to answer this question if you want to be back in your cup window next season. It needs to be left-handed. It needs to be left-handed because your right side stacked with Pareko and Falk, and then you got Bortuzzo, Santini, somebody who could play on the right side in that third pairing. Alexiak's the top of the list we all know. You got Alec Martinez, who could be an option for you on the left side. I'm kind of liking that option right now. I do too. I just don't know if he's going to sign for the amount of money that you can try and make that work with. I do think to make a deal, Marco Scandella may not may not need to be on this team also. Because I think Marco Scandella is holding down that second pair. But if you if you get ah, yeah, you're right. You, you're right. you trade Vince Dunn, you find a way to expose Marco and you get Seattle to take him in the expansion draft. This is speculation. There are guys out there that match what the Blues need on that second unit. But again, to go back to what we started with, when you comp the 2019 minutes, you're missing a guy who plays like Bo Meester. And I don't think Scandella or Dunn are going to be able to play to that level. 
with Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, the Cardinals made one change in the rotation over the weekend. Is there another that could be coming? We'll talk about that coming up at the top of the hour. Coming up next, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. The Rhino Shield mic drop features on the 101 ESPN app. If you've got questions, we'll try to have some answers next on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Comfort service text line for questions and answers. If you've got anything on the Rhino Shield mic drop feature on the 101 ESPN app, we'll take those throughout the day today as well. Where's your level of frustration with this Cardinals team? Because I feel like it ranges from being completely infuriated to people that are just at this point apathetic and barely watch the games after the first or second inning middle? if the Cardinals go down. Can, I, can, there well, yeah. be, can there be a level where it's just like, you know, I'm okay yeah, It's a scale, it. right? It's yeah. infuriated. That's at the top of the list. Apathy is at the bottom of the list. Okay. And it's like one to ten. You know, you've got fives or sevens. So Tanner sit there going, hey, this team's still a World Series a four, contender. Tanner's I'm a seven. Like, you're like, a nine. Well, I'm Whoa. at like ten. Totally a nine. Been told that before by my wife. Six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service X line for questions and answers. Let's start with this one from the three one four guys. Realistically speaking, do you believe that the Cardinals are still in the playoff race by the All Star break? Do you think that by the All Star break the Cards will still be quote unquote in it? Before before we answer this, has anybody else heard of the saying you got to be ten games out by All Star break? Or is, no. that, is that just like I'm my sure it, I'm thing? sure it exists. There's a lot of baseball sayings, but be no, honest, I, I think my family probably made that up. Okay, <laughs> I'm gonna say I'm gonna say they're not gonna be in the playoff race. I you might be able to beat Arizona. Colorado's gonna be tough on the road. San Francisco and the Cubs will be tough on the road. And then I see the Brewers winning. Cubs will pick up games on you in that stretch. If you're not ten, if you're not within ten by the All Star break, then the season might be over. And I'm afraid to say it, but I think we're gonna be at that point. Yeah. Um, the wild card race, in my opinion, you're out of it no it's matter done. what. Yeah, you're you're not catching. You're nine games out of that, and you're not catching any of those teams. So count that out. You're 130 runs behind the Padres right now. Yeah. Like if you're looking at run differential, they're a plus 77. You're a minus 52. Yeah, a couple 10 run games, you'll be right back that in minus, on that. The minus 52 is what I'm looking at, and that's why I feel like now I'm out on this because the teams that are still in the race, you know, I'd consider the Nationals in the race. They're minus 12 differential. That Atlanta's stinks. in the race, minus three. Well, you weren't getting Scherzer anyway. Let's be honest here. Um, Cincinnati's in it, a minus 10. You know, the teams that are out of it, Arizona, Colorado, Pittsburgh, Miami's not out of it, and they got a plus 17 differential, which is just insane. The NL East is the NFC East of the of baseball right now. But yeah, I think the Cardinals are going to be out of it. I mean, you're minus 52 run differential. The Pirates are minus 85. The Rockies are minus 67, and the Can Diamondbacks are 107. context on that number? No, because so it hurts. The two teams that we probably mentioned the most when it comes to trade deadline acquisitions for the Cardinals are the Minnesota Twins and the Texas Rangers. My guy, Gibby, your guy, Berrios, Pineda. Those are the two teams that we've talked about the most in terms of realistically being sellers at the deadline. The Minnesota Twins right now have a minus 48 run differential. Cardinals are at minus 52. And they're 11 and a half games out. The Texas Rangers are at a minus 56 run differential. They're Four runs worse than the Cardinals and they're are. they're 18 games There's out. like two games this week. The Cardinals could lose them, and they're suddenly worse in terms of their run differential, not overall record, than the Texas Rangers, who we've been saying for the last month. They're obvious sellers. Everybody I still have that to say this. Hurts. 
The Cardinals just have to go like 500 going into the All-Star break for me to feel like they're still in it. They go five if they end up in the All-Star break at whatever it is, four games under 500. I'll say they're in it because this division is just not good enough for me to say they're completely out of it. As have you heard the saying that if you're 10 games out, you're out of it by the All-Star break? Yeah, have you? I've heard something about that. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers. Let's go out to the Rhino Shield mic drop feature, though, real quick. This one comes from John. Tim? Forget the 2021 season. It is a train wreck. They have absolutely no chance to even compete for the playoffs division it's over the goal for 2021 is to convince nolan arenado that he wants to stay in st louis and to get the fans to believe that they should buy season tickets for 2022 and get the team ready for 2022 when they can actually compete is he wrong on which part? Yeah, I was about to say, I feel like he asked like seven different things. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I don't think you have to convince Nolan Arenado to stay in St. Louis because I think he wants to be here. But you're going to have to convince Nolan Arenado that this is a team that's going to compete for the World Series. And if you start trading pieces away and say, ah, 2022, that's going to be our year. Well, guess who also did that? The Colorado Rockies. The Rockies also sat there and told Nolan Arenado, oh, we're just going to get rid of this guy, but next year's going to be our year. And then they don't do anything. Oh, no, we got the team that can compete this year. Then next year's going to be the... You can't keep doing that. He's 30 years old. He's the prime of his age right now. If you waste two years of Nolan Arenado, well, guess what? He's going to start declining. And then you've wasted prime real estate of going out there and competing. So I'm kind of with him. Forgot because I'm I, John, John. John. I said Tom and then Tim, so I, I don't know. It's all over the place. Kind of with John, like as as much as well. No, I'm not with John because John thinks you need to sell off and just go for 2022. I don't think that's where you're at. I think you need to do everything you can to make this year competitive. But I also think you do have to show Nolan Arenado that this team is going to compete every season. I don't want to see any more. I've seen this a lot on Twitter, and I know Twitter's not a representation of the real world, but. What? If I see any more of <laughs> 2021 as a transition year for the Cardinals, I'm going to lose it. And I'm sick of oh, seeing so read my tweet. And I'm sick of seeing the 2006, 2011 were bad years and look what happened. Like, can we get away from that, please? Yeah, it, it's it's not. No, that's not the comp. Um, and just because you've done it before does not mean that it's going to happen again. The Blues had flipped the switch a million different times before. What happened when they couldn't do it anymore? Well, it was a first round exit. Didn't go well. Um. This is not a transition year for the Cardinals. It's not. When they traded for Nolan Arenado and brought back Adam Wainwright and brought back Yadier Molina, it became not an all-in year. I'm not going to suggest that because it's not. Um, it became a significant year for them to try to win. Now, 2020, you, 2022 very well may be an all-in year, but this year shouldn't be considered a transition year. Who knows what the health of the team is going to look like next year? Do you guys think that Miles Michaelis is suddenly going to be the model of health and consistency next year? Because I don't. Do you guys he is a lizard think, king. Do you guys think that Paul Goldschmidt's going to be it. better at 34 and 35 than he is at his age 33 season? That's my concern. And no do we are... think that the age 39 pitcher, Adam Wainwright, who's been great oh, for yeah. them this year, is just going to continue doing this into yeah. his age 41 and 42 season? Yeah, and I mean, Yachty's going to keep hitting 350 every year. He's not doing that this year okay, anymore. That was that was really mean. I mean, at a certain point, you just gotta try to win. 
This yeah. it, what made, what transition year? No, but it kind of felt like a build up year, did it not? And when I when I, I say I when said I say that until up, they traded for Nolan Arenado, yeah, when you and traded for the Nolan expectations changed. When you traded for Nolan Arenado, you said to your team, "We are going to compete with these other teams, especially in this damn division. This yes. division stinks." And frankly, the teams that you were competing with were the Dodgers and the Padres. And you made the move for Nolan Arenado. And we had plenty of baseball analysts on when that trade happened and said, yeah, I'd put them right under that tier of teams. But you weren't at that tier. But that's That's what I'm saying. But you had the opportunity to get to that tier by the trade deadline. And just because they're bad right now, you can't sit there and say, oh, we'll we'll trade them all away and we'll go for 2022. Guys, Nolan Gorman's not a savior for this team. He's not going to turn into Albert Pujols next year for you. He might be good, but he's certainly not a savior. But that's fine. He's not a savior. Yeah. But you're going to lose a year of Paul Goldschmidt. You're going to lose a year of Nolan Arenado. You're going to lose a year of Yadier Molina and lose a year of Adam Wainwright. You lose those four pieces, you're going to be in the same situation next year that you're in on this year. Last thing on this from me. The Cubs have actually been worse offensively this month than the Cardinals. It's like the only team in baseball. Not like. It is the only team in baseball that has been less productive offensively than the Cardinals. But the reason why they're still atop the stand or above the Cardinals in the standings is because they took two out of three against the Cardinals in late May. They swept the Pirates right after that. Took two out of three against the Cincinnati Reds. They were able to catch the San Diego Padres at the right time. They ended up winning five out of six head-to-head against the Padres. Then swept the Cardinals. And that has made up for what is a really bad stretch of baseball where they've been losing consistently against the Mets, the Marlins and the Dodgers. That didn't matter as much for the Cubs because they built up a little bit of cushion when they were playing well and they beat the bad teams on their schedule. The problem for the Cardinals is the point in the schedule and they were supposed to start making up some ground. It's been the opposite, and they've fallen even further back. And let's be honest, too, you, you should have caught the Padres at the right time because they had a bunch of guys in COVID-19 Good protocols. Well, and the Dodgers were, they couldn't win a series for like two weeks there, and you missed your opportunity. And they didn't have Bellinger. They did at the end. And they still didn't have Seager. The only reason I remember that is because he was a pretty big factor in that Carlos Martinez game where he oh, couldn't yeah, get it out. I don't remember that. I don't remember that. <laughs> With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. Coming up in about 10 minutes or so, Mike Farron's going to join the show to talk about what has gone wrong for the Diamondbacks, whether or not the Cardinals are picking them or hitting them at the right time. But coming up next, the Cardinals made one move in the rotation. Is another one coming? Talk about it on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Carlos has to continue to has to pitch better to keep a spot. You know, when you look at internal options, there's there's you know, and again, you know, it's a question maybe outside of me, but you know, the options are are somewhat limited. Um, so. You know, Carlos will continue to, to get a start on, on Tuesday, and we'll evaluate from there. That was Mike Schiltz over the weekend when asked if John Gant was the only guy that was going to lose his spot in the rotation, saying, hey, Carlos got to start well. He's got to pitch well. He starts tomorrow night against the Diamondbacks. Tonight, you will see a bit of a change in the rotation as Wade LeBlanc makes his starting debut for the Cardinals. Now let's let's set some realistic expectations here. Seven strong, three hits, no runs. Mm, change that seven to three. Something like that. Wade three LeBlanc runs? throws strikes. Wade LeBlanc over his last 15 starts, which spans over three years, has allowed about 120 base runners and has an 8.6 ERA. 
Wade LeBlanc's a perfectly fine guy to throw out there. He is not the savior to what is plaguing the Cardinals right now. So this is one change they could make, and it's probably a good one. I think this was the right decision to take John Gant out of the starting rotation. Can I stop you real quick, though? Because he might be an answer to one of your problems. Okay. The guy throws strikes. And what was Mike? What was one of the 18 problems that Mike Schilt said that there are and then didn't give the solution to? The problem is he might create a new issue, which is the guy allows a lot of home runs. That's fine. It's, hey, home runs are made to be given up. I they are. don't agree with that. Um, it's it, he, He's not a perfect pitcher, and he is not a long-term option for the Cardinals in the rotation. I hope you just BKO'd him in the opposite direction. No hitter! Can he? Can he get you through the next month? Maybe he can't be a whole lot worse than what John Gant was doing. I think is really what we're trying to say here. John Gant had hit a rough stretch where things were not going to get back on track. That being said, we did get a mic drop from David who has, I think, uh, interesting approach to way LeBlanc's first start. If LeBlanc starts this game out with a backdoor slider that misses the top zone by a foot, I'm done with this team. (laughs) Who makes that call? Is that Yachty? Is that Maddox? Or is that Schilt? Can we get a pitcher that throws maybe, I don't know, a fastball down the middle for once to get strike one? David, if you have Twitter, please do like a live stream of first pitch night because if it is a backdoor slider that misses the top of the zone, I want to see him lose it. Hey, I'll confirm for David. He's going to throw some balls in the zone. Oh, yeah. Wade LeBlanc's going to throw in the zone. There's going to be a lot of strikes. There's not going to be a whole lot of walks. That's all great. The problem is the ball might get crushed. Uh, that that's that is what you live with when you're putting Wade LeBlanc into your rotation. That being said, Alex, do you think there should be other moves? Because this is one we asked for a little bit of a shakeup. They moved Tommy Edmond down, so let everybody else up in the batting order. That was a shakeup. <laughs> that was their shakeup in the lineup. They shook it off. Um, and then Wade LeBlanc is taking John Gant's spot in the rotation. Do you expect anything else to take place? What else is? going to be able to take place i don't know about you guys but watching jake woodford yesterday didn't give me the warm and fuzzies that this guy needs to be in your rotation like there's no other moves to be made unless you go out there and you acquire somebody or you go out there and you maybe bring up on hell rondone and put him into the rotation there's no other options for you can we can we at least experiment with my idea of reyes yeah <laughs> I mean, yeah, could, sure, if you want to break the guy before you get to the all-star break, go for it. Because why not lose another pitcher? Why not lose the only guy that gives you a hope to win a game when it's close? Well, he's not giving you a whole lot of hope. He got his second save in the month of June over the weekend. It's pretty but, good. But listen to Mike Schilt. They're trending in the right direction. It's June 28th, and this damn guy who's been lights out all year had two saves in the month. He's playing for the I St. Louis Cardinals, man. saves. Wow. <laughs> no, That's you don't. That's embarrassing, huh? No, you don't. Two saves. Y- 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 you're wasting him at the back end you're of your bullpen him, right You're wasting him, but there's like there's a process I think you have to go through with this. Like You can't just say, all right, Alex, you're in the rotation now. Like You're going to have to stretch him out, unless you're going to use him just as an opener. Correct. What does that do if your offense can't you score any runs? You start out not down 4 to nothing in the first okay, inning. Okay, so now. you start out 0-0 zero, zero after the first yes. inning, and then the guy that comes in in the second is going to put you down 4 nothing. Well, he's going to go 2. Okay, so the third inning you're going to be down 4 nothing. Maybe. No, but Alex, there's no maybe. The entire goal for this team right now should be buying time, buying time to get to August, buying time to get to the next inning, buying time to get to the next at bat. But do you want to buy time and then in, in return of buying time, possibly injure a player that's helpful if for you? If he can't throw two innings for me regularly, then next year is going to be a disaster because they need, 
They need to find <laughs> out if this guy can year. start eventually. And at least that's what they say. They say they want to get Alex Reyes to 80, between 80 and 100 innings this year. And if he's not going to be able to get there, well, right now it doesn't appear he's going to. Um, if if he can't get there and he can't start for you next year, then the Cardinals need to find other options, both internally and adding from the outside. So I, I think giving him a, a try in the rotation, given what their options are right now, like if Carlos goes out there tomorrow and stinks, Alex Reyes should take his spot in the rotation. He should. Uh, he, he's your best option. I don't see anybody else that's a better option. No, I don't. And that's why I said there are no other options. I just, I don't see the point of, of shifting Alex Reyes other than to get him innings, which that's fine, but you can spend the off season of getting him ready to be a starter. If you put him in the first two innings and give him two innings every fifth day, that's great, but it goes back to the offense. Like it's not doing anything in terms of putting you in a win situation because sooner or later, Jake Woodford's coming in and you're probably going to see four home runs given up. The ship is sinking. I've got 17 different holes and I'm trying to plug one of them. That's right why now. you just go down with the ship. You jump off of the boat before it hits the water and you can't blame yourself. <laughs> yep, there you go. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up next, let's ask some of these questions to Mike Ferret. He's a co-host on MLB Network Radio. He does great work there. He also covers the Diamondbacks down in Arizona. What's it like? covering that team right now and what's he think of the issues that the Cardinals have we'll talk to Mike Farron about it all next on 101 ESPN this is the BK and Ferrario podcast now here's BK and Ferrario That's Alex Ferrario. He's Tanner Hendrickson, and I'm Brandon Kylie. Right now, we are very happy to be joined by the great Mike Farron. You can hear him on MLB Network. He also is a host for Diamondbacks Radio, joining us via the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Mike, we appreciate the time, man. How you doing today? I'm good. How are you guys? Doing all right. Are you just pumped up for this series <laughs> between two teams that are just on a roll right now? I mean, nothing like uh, like coming in hot, right? So dropping three out of four at home for the Pirates, winning your first road game in 25 tries. I mean, this is the kind of matchup that, that deserves a lot of attention, right? So. Mike, I'm trying to imagine what people, Cardinals fans are thinking right now. Like rock bottom has to feel where they're at right now, where they lose three or four against the Pirates. They're outscored 21 to 11 against them. Previous to that, they were swept by the Tigers. But I feel like a Diamondbacks team coming in with a 278 win percentage that hasn't won a series since May 2nd. If the Cardinals don't pull out a series win against the Diamondbacks, I think St. Louis might start rioting. Well, I I mean, listen, I I understand uh, where that's coming from. um, And certainly on paper, it would still seem to be a mismatch. Um, I do think that this Diamondbacks team has started playing a little bit better in the last week, and I don't think that their true talent level is actually, you know, a 275 winning percentage. Um, you know, I, I think we're all kind of stunned by where they are, right? So um, they certainly have some pitching issues. The lineup is a little deeper, deeper and healthier now. So I can understand. But listen, like the, the Cardinals' problems are not intertwined with the Diamondbacks' problems. They're not – dissimilar in some regards, you know, injuries have clearly impacted their rotation and um, the offense has been less than robust towards the bottom of the league right now, base percentage, which is kind of stunning. So, um, you know, they've got a whole host of issues that are, that are different than what the Diamondbacks are. Um, But yeah, I can certainly understand why Cardinal fans are frustrated because it's a, it's a lot different than the last time these two teams met. Right. And that was what a month ago, not even a month ago. 
when they square off. So like, you know, I, I realized that the Flaherty injury happened just before that series, but like it's it's a much different feel going into this than what we saw a month ago when the Cardinals won the series in Arizona. Mike, it's so interesting because I was actually going to bring that up. I listened to you on Derek Gould's podcast. It was a, a fantastic episode, and you guys were talking about how great that game was. I think it was either Thursday or Friday night of that series, where it's just a, a wonderful back and forth. It was a Cardinals team that at that point was kind of hitting its stride or seemingly hitting its stride. Paul Goldschmidt was starting to play a little bit better, and it felt like their trajectory was on the way up. Then you have the Flaherty injury. You've had the Michaelis injury. The offense goes stagnant and everything's kind of gone south from there. You have more of the 10,000 foot view on this team than we do here locally, certainly, because we watch it every night and we're, we're really in it. What's been your impression of the Cardinals since the last time that you saw them uh, going up against the Diamondbacks? Yeah, I mean, I think I think there are a couple of things. I mean, I think the Flaherty injury is not insignificant. I mean, it's hugely significant, right? That's his stopper. That's a, that's a, you know, I don't know if he has necessarily elevated the true number one status, but pretty close to that in the game. And so, you know, every fifth day, that's a that's a stop, right? You've got a chance to win. I think the other thing that has been, and it, I would think that internally for the Cardinals, this has to be one of the things that's the most frustrating as all get out is that. I don't. I mean, one of the Cardinals ever really led the league as a pitching staff in walks. Like, it's not something that I, I I ever really remember, and that to me has been a huge issue. And you knew at some point that was going to come home to roost if it didn't fix. And the fact is that it never really has gotten fixed. Um, you know, the pitchers haven't been able to make adjustments or whatever it is. You know, or maybe it's just that they've got a lot of hard throwers that aren't necessarily guys that are putting it in the zone, and so you're going to have to live with some of that. And that to me is is a, a little bit of a shocker. And then you know, offensively, like I mean, Paul DeYoung struggling early and then being hurt that impacted them. You know, not having Harrison Bader. Not that Bader's a tremendous offensive player, but you know, he plays at about the level offensively that kind of league average offensive center fielders do, which is to say that there is usually about you know five to ten percent below the league average, and, and that's plenty good enough. But then they've had to kind of shift that to the corners. You know, I, I mean, Dylan Carlson getting on base with the clip that he has has been really impressive. And, and I think the power is going to come, and that, that'll help some. But, you know, Tommy Edmond is kind of that, that same kind of offensive player to Bader. And they've given him a ton of at-bats at the top of the lineup. They didn't have really another option at second base. You know, they haven't had, you know, outside of, uh, of the one really good hot stretch from Arenado, they haven't really clicked offensively. And I think that that's you know, a big part of the problem. As much as their 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 stated goal this winter and what John Mazalak told us was, you know, I've been focused on improving the offense. Well, they did it. They got a big bat in the middle, but the pieces around really haven't helped to to you know to buoy it. And so it's a recipe for you know a team that's right around 500. I mean, I think they're better than what their record is now, but um, you know, I don't. Are they as good as Milwaukee? I don't know. Are they as good as the Cubs? I don't know. I mean, I think they're probably as good as Cincinnati, but they've got some work to do ahead of the deadline if they decide they're going to try and stay in this. We're talking with Mike Farron, co-host of Power Alley of on MLB Network Radio and the host of Diamondbacks Radio Network as well. Uh, Mike, a lot of people in St. Louis are calling for a change or a shakeup when it comes to the coaching staff, whether it be Jeff Albert or Mike Schilt. Do you feel like that changes anything with the struggles for the Cardinals if they were to do that? Well, I think firing Mike Schilt in particular would be a huge mistake. So uh, I, I'm, 
I, I don't know. I, I think that guy, you know, to me, in my conversations with him, and I know Mike a little bit now, um, I think he's an extremely bright baseball guy. And I, and I think he is, uh, I think, you know, despite some of the protests about him and some of the bullpen management, listen, when everybody in the bullpen is walking, guys, it's tough to, to try and, and find the right button. I think letting go of Mike Schultz in any capacity would be a big mistake. I, I'm curious with the hitting coach situation because I mean, Jeff Albert had a pretty good reputation coming in and obviously connected to the organization. And, he, and my understanding, and a lot of it through Derek Gould's reporting, has been that he's built the program throughout their minor league system. Correct. Um, that they're using all the way around, right? And so, like, they haven't had much contribution from a ton of guys from the minors, but but that's been more based on you know necessity and maybe kind of the depth of some of the offensive players that they've had. So I don't know that that necessarily changes anything. You know, I think, you know, some of Edmund's comments certainly got a lot of attention this week, right? When he talked about the team meeting and, and how they were going to address things offensively. And to me, that spoke to like, Hey, listen, like we need to change up our pregame routine instead of the old, like, Hey, let's just get loose and take six rounds of batting practice, you know, bunt a couple. And then we'll you know try to hit to the off field. And then the last round you try and launch to something that's, that's actually trying to execute the game plan. I think that was pretty smart. And I understand that if the players want to make that change, I, I like that idea. And I'm sure that Jeff probably does too. But I think in the end, with all of these complaints that come about, it, to me it comes back to personnel. And I'm not sure that even if they're entirely healthy, that we're talking about you know a top five National League offense. And I think based on the injuries right now, we're not talking about a top five starting staff. And, and certainly we're not talking about a top five bullpen with the walk issues. Mike, I know you're a very busy man. You have just a couple of minutes left here, so let's skip over to the trade deadline. We're about a month away now. If you were in John Mosellock's shoes, if I put you in that job right now, what are you trying to do as we approach the deadline? Are you trying to kind of reestablish the offense? Are you looking for a starter? What would you be looking for right now? There's four games under 500 right now, right? Mm-hmm. I'm trying. I'm, if I and this is not to say that this is what John should be doing, but this is, if you ask me if I were in charge, I would be trying to play both sides and trying to figure out, okay, what, what if we get on a hot streak can we do to add? And what if we don't are other teams looking at, because I think that's kind of, they're in the middle right now. Right. I haven't looked at the fan grass odds this morning to see where they're, what their percentages chance of making the playoffs are, but I can't imagine it's particularly high at this moment. And I have to think that three percent, Mike, 3% chance of winning the division or making the playoffs, making the playoffs, according to fan graphs. So, so then I'm spending a lot of time trying to figure out what it is that I might be able to do to re, you know, readjust this roster going forward. You know, one of the things that Mo has talked to us a lot about at the deadline over the last several years is you know, he's a big fan of arbitrage, right? You're trying to you're trying to add pieces that help while also maybe subtracting some some pieces that are getting closer to free agency. I mean, I I, I think that that's really how you're handling it because to me it's not necessarily that the Cardinals are set as buyers at this moment. I think that their path is is undetermined. You know, it's easy with the Diamondbacks, right? When you won 27 percent of your games for the first half of the season. You're a seller, and guys who are getting close to free agency or aren't necessarily going to be part of you know what you feel like will be a competitive team if, if they want one in 22 or 23 going forward, that's an easier decision than where the Cardinals are, who are expected to compete every year. And you know, does it make more sense to take a, a you know a one year 
reset, you know, at the deadline like the Yankees did in 2016 to try and build back or be able to add pieces? Do you have pieces that would be attractive to teams in that regard? You know, like I would think Giovanni Gallegos would be, but it's really, I mean, that's really uncardinal like, right? Because we just, we're not used to seeing them really be um, sellers at the deadline. It's been a long time since we've seen it, but I think if I were in that front office, I would be trying to prepare for both scenarios while also preparing for the draft, which they can do some real bad with issues, I think, right? Like maybe get the one that drafted. So it's tough. It's a tough spot to be in. I don't envy them at all. Mike, we appreciate the time, man. We'll be listening to you over on MLB Network Radio. We'll be hearing you as well on the Diamondbacks Radio Network. People should follow you on Twitter at Mike underscore fair. And all the best. We'll talk with you again soon, my friend. All right, guys. Absolutely. Same to you. That's Mike Farron joining us here on 101 ESPN. Man, that is that is fascinating. I had not looked at the Fangraphs odds prior to our conversation with him, and him mentioning it just kind of spurred. Oh, I should check those out. The Cardinals right now, according to Fangraphs, and these are not the end all be all by any stretch. There is still more than half of the season to play. There's a lot still out there possibility for for the Cardinals. They have a 1.9% chance of winning the division and a 0.6% chance of winning the wild card. So that gives you a 2.5% chance of making the postseason as of today. So you're saying there's a chance. He brings up an interesting question. Does this team consider selling at the deadline? I think that's a terrible decision. He'll explain why. Coming up next on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. So we just finished talking with Mike Farron, who is a co-host on MLB Network Radio. He said that if he were in John Mosellock's shoes, he would be looking at both buying and selling Your at the daily deadline. hit of BK on the fence. Yeah, that's basically Mike what he on did. The fence with However, I, I do understand, and I think you do as well, what he's saying there. Basically, he's not saying you should do both. You shouldn't buy and sell. He's saying as you get closer to the deadline, you're going to know. Are you a buyer or are you a seller? Because as of today, according to the fancy numbers, you have like a 2% chance of getting into the playoffs. That's awesome. It's pretty low. As of today, your run differential is minus 52, which is basically the same as the Texas Rangers and the Minnesota Twins. It's fourth worst in the National League. Right now, if we were being objective about it, the Cardinals should be a seller. Like, based on their record, based on their run differential, based on all of the information at hand, the Cardinals should sell. But we know what the expectations are here in St. Louis. We know what the expectations were coming into this season, at least for myself. Either they were going to win 90 games, win the division, make it to the NLCS. Oh, that's where we were headed. Does, has not been that way so far. So, earlier today, we were listening to Carriker and Smallman. And they brought up the possibility of selling. And Alex, I want you to respond to this because you mentioned to us in the pre-show meeting today. Yeah, I got, I've got something to say about what I heard earlier today on Carriker and Smallman. Here's what they said. Continues on this pace for the next week and a half or so leading into the trade deadline. If I'm Jumbo like I don't want to go out there and give up anything or make a ton of moves if I don't think this team can improve. I would be more concerned about the health of the guys that are on this team, and I would be thinking more about 2022. That's where I am. I... Th- I'm of the belief that what the Cardinals should do is if there's interest in Andrew Miller, he's a free agent at the end of this year, move him on. You you don't go out and rent somebody. The only moves you make if you're Mo 
are moves that can help you in 2022. I couldn't agree more with you. I disagreed with that when I heard it. Now, let me let me clarify this. Trading Andrew Miller, that's fine. Move on from him. If you don't feel like he's going to be a part of your club, get something back for him. Other than that, I don't really know what you have to sell that is going to warrant you something in return. Like maybe Paul DeYoung. Maybe Paul DeYoung. But that but seems more like an offseason trade than a trade That's deadline what deal. I would be doing. Carlos Martinez, sure, but you're not going to survive if you trade away a Carlos Martinez in terms of pitching. I would Nobody just, wants him. I would abuse that arm the rest of the season so you can get through this season. But the reason I disagree with that whole premise in general is I don't think you look at this season and say, oh, well, we're done with this. We go to 2022. And it's what I said to you guys earlier. How do you sell that to the guy that you just traded for that – I don't think he's going to opt out, but how do you sell it to Nolan Arenado that, hey, we're going to compete next year because Nolan Gorman's coming and Matthew Levitor's coming. Well, guess what? Those guys don't have that much tenure in the minors. They're not just going to come to the majors and become big league players. I don't think you, you view this season as a, well, you just sell pieces off and get ready for 2022. I think you look at the trade market and you find a way to make yourself better for 2022. That doesn't mean go out and trade Nolan Gorman for Max Scherzer and then try and sign him in the offseason. I don't think that benefits you. But what I do think is you look for guys who are controllable, who can help you next season. A Kyle Gibson, a Joey Gallo, somebody who can be a benefit to you next season so that you're telling Nolan Arenado, you're telling Yadier Molina, Adam Wainwright, Paul Goldschmidt, the core that you want to compete with next season, you're telling them, yeah, this season's not going well. Hopefully we can turn it around, but these pieces are going to benefit us next season also so we can compete. That's what they did. Remember Brandon Moss, the trade that they made for him? Yeah. He, I think he had one year left on his deal at that point as well. So it was for the rest that of that season. the trade that they did for Jen then, Jerko too? Yeah, something similar. So you've got you have multiple years of control. Those are typically the deals that Mo likes to make. I mean, John Lackey, same thing, right? They traded for him for that stretch run, and then they also had him on that cheap deal. Honestly, John Lackey has a lot of similarities to what it would be to trade for Kyle Gibson. Yeah. In terms of what they bring to the table, the innings that they're going to bring, and the cheap club control that they had for another year after that as well. If you are looking at selling off pieces, here's one of the issues in doing so if you're the Cardinals. The only guys that really make sense to do that with are Andrew Miller. He's the obvious one. Bullpen piece for a team that's not winning right now. There would probably be some interest in him, although I don't know how much you'd get. But yeah. there'd be some interest. Lefties are always difficult to find in the market, too, with bullpen sure. guys. You you could get something for Andrew Miller if you made him available. Carlos Martinez, no. maybe you could get something as a bullpen piece. Maybe somebody says, hey, we've seen his success in the past coming out of the pen. We're going to yeah. try that with him again. I think you could get something for KK. If you made him available, now it doesn't make sense for them to do that if there's any chance of them making a run this year because he's got to be a part of that, but he could be available. John Gant has one year left of control after this season. I think you could get something for Gant. And then the only other thing that you could do, and I don't see the Cardinals doing this, is potentially trade Wayne Oriati. And there's no reason to do that. You would be completely punting on the season if you traded either of those guys and you brought them back so they could finish their careers here in St. Louis. And again, it's what Mike Farron just told us. Like, you're four games below 500. Yes, it seems like the odds are stacked against you and eight games is going to be difficult to come back from. But, like, you can't just say the next three weeks, ah, well, you know, we'll, we'll see what we do and then come July 31st, we'll sell. You can't have a seller's mindset already. Like, you gotta kind of have That's the, the thing, man. You gotta buy time right now. You, you kind of have to buy now. 
and well, then maybe sell at the deadline. The Twins did that a few years ago. But you go out there and you find something that can not only help you now, but help you next season. And I get it. Maybe the asking price is too high for you to go into this, the trade market and try and buy something because you don't want to give up Nolan Gorman. It's hard for me to believe that the Texas Rangers are going to ask for Nolan Gorman or nothing come trade deadline time for a guy like Kyle Gibson. And I'm not saying it has to be Gibson. I'm saying you find a pitcher like Gibson who's controllable for the next couple of seasons who can help you next year. Because for me, I got to sell it to my team that we're not punting the rest of this season, but we are seriously going to compete next year. Because if you just go into the offseason and say, ah, we'll try and make some trades in 2022 and we'll try and sign some free agents. Well, you might be left standing at the altar. And then how are you going to sell not having additional pieces to a team to compete? 65780 is the air comfort service text line. And we want to hear from you guys throughout the day today. We've also got the Rhino Shield mic drop feature on the 101 ESPN app. Where are you at on selling off the rest of the season? Deciding, you know what? This is not the Cardinals year. Let's sell off some pieces. Let's hear from you. The first one comes from Philip. I'm still with this team. I know it's painful to watch. I know it's painful to listen to. It's an embarrassing team right now. But I I can't sit here and envision this team being like this the rest of the season. I really hope Mo and DeWitt have the brains to do something by the deadline, make multiple moves by the deadline. They've got to because this team isn't bad on paper. They just got to get healthy. They got to get some new players. That music bet sounds familiar. Yeah, that's a good music bet. Uh, I'm with him. I don't think this team is as bad as it's shown on the field. And that's weird to say now because it's no long. This is not a small sample size. We're almost 80 games into the year. If we were last year this time, if you're looking at like the number of games that have been played, we're getting close to World Series time. I mean, not only has the season been played, but now we're into the postseason and nearly World Series stretch. So is not early anymore. You're almost done with the first half of the season, and what the Cardinals have shown you is that they're in a, a below-average team despite playing in a below-average division. So if you're somebody that's like yelling at your uh, your radio right now and saying, hey, BK, they've shown us they're a bad team, I get it. It's hard for me to dispute that, but when I look up and down the lineup card every day, I know what the numbers are showing next to them, but the back of the baseball card suggests that these players should be better than what they've shown you so far this year. When you think this season's bad, go out and trade a couple of pieces and basically tell your team we're done for because it's just going to get worse. You know how you breathe some life into a team? You go make a move for somebody who could potentially help you. Find a piece out there that tells the team, hey, you are not as bad as you're playing. We got you some help. Go out there and fix it. We've got one more Rhino Shield mic drop. This one comes from Taylor. Hey guys, uh, yeah, definitely not giving up on the 2021 Cardinals yet. But the fact is, is that they got to start beating these bad teams. It gets frustrating. It reminds me way too much of the Matheny years where, you know, we could win two or three from someone like the Dodgers and then, you know, just not do well against a team like Pittsburgh. That's what's going on right now. And it's been going on too long. I got to do something. I have some bad news for you guys. What? Don't tell Tyler. Taylor. So... The Cardinals have seven more games against bad teams left in this stretch that we talked so much about. Arizona, Colorado, got some bad teams coming up. Then they have three against San Francisco, the best team in baseball. They go to Wrigley for three, a place that they have not fared particularly well of late. They open up the second half against the Giants at home with three. Again, best team in baseball. And then you've got four more against Chicago. And then you've got three at Cincinnati in a 
the sandbox that you're going to play in. And they have had some success against the Cardinals this year as well because their offense is so damn good. And now you're basically to the trade deadline. Maybe this team only plays well against better teams. And they play bad against bad teams. Did you watch them against the Dodgers? No, I did. I just didn't turn that game on. Did you watch them against Cincinnati the last time those uh, I, two teams played? I didn't played? turn that game on either. Chicago when they got swept up in Chicago. No, that game didn't happen yet. <laughs> San Diego series, you remember that? Uh, San Diego. Ah, so what we've determined is they're going to sell. Okay, perfect. So no. I, I, I still, I am in such a weird mental place right now where my answer to you when you say that is like, no, of course not. And then I actually think about it logically and it's like, I don't know if they'll sell or not, but it doesn't feel like this is a team that's ripe for really turning things around anytime in the near future unless something dramatically changes between now and the trade deadline. To make things personnel, something's got to change. To make things ripe, you just need a little rain and a little sunshine. There's plenty of rain right now. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. Coming up in 15 minutes, there's one thing that all Blues fans seem to agree on. We'll tell you what that is, but coming up next, let's dive into the junk drawer here on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. He's Tanner Hendrickson, and I'm Brandon Kylie. It is BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. In or out coming up in 15 minutes or so. If you have a suggestion, get him in on the Air Comfort Service text line. Right now, it is time for the junk drawer. Tanner, let's get you to start us off today. I heard you have a story for us, my man. Did you guys see on Twitter on Friday? So I'm in the office, and there's a tweet I see that comes out. I think Derek Gold retweeted it, too. But it showed, and it was... Uh, what's that company that makes ketchup? Is it Heinz? Is that yes. right? Heinz. Thank you. Uh, but it was a mayonnaise. You may have heard of Heinz Field in Pittsburgh. Whatever. It was a mayonnaise, and it was called, I think it was called May Oreo is what I believe it was called. And it was mayonnaise. Or it would be called Mayo Rio. Mayo Rio. Something like right? that. Mayo Rio. Anyways. But it was mayonnaise, and it was with, like, Oreo, Oreo crumbles in it or something along those lines. But then I'm looking over the weekend. I'm like, okay, this is perfect for the junk drawer because that's disgusting. That was a that was a scam. It was a fake post. It wasn't a real thing. All right, log it. A minute and ten seconds. Just waste of time hearing about this. Oh come on. So if you're you telling me that, something that we saw on the internet turned out to not be real. People know, create things on the internet and it's not real. It's also heartbreaking when you get a text too from Manda. Says let's yeah. hook up. A dude. Not, I'm not crying. It's raining. There's a website that apparently goes like breaks down all of the news to tell you if it's true or not. They they wrote claim Heinz has released a new condiment called Mayorio, a mix of mayonnaise Nailed and Oreo it. cookies. Conclusion: A spokesperson for Kraft Heinz confirmed that they do not actually produce such a product. <laughs> Would you even eat that no. if that was real? No, I don't even That's like mayonnaise. Mayonnaise is disgusting. Let alone put Oreos in it. Mayo would be my last pick in the condiment What do you even put mayo on? A sandwich. What kind of sandwich? A BLT, I think is typically. No. Okay, that's the There's only no, thing. It's not BLTM. That's true. There's no M in BLT. And I don't put it on a sandwich. I'll put mustard on a sandwich. Yeah, there you go. Or I'll put garlic on a sandwich. Heck, I'd almost put ketchup on a sandwich rather than You're mayo. Put, okay, what? you're disgusting. You put garlic? Oh, yeah. There's like garlic, like 
some type of spread garlic that you put on yeah, sandwiches. You put it good. on like a salami and a uh, turkey sandwich. Mm. Oh, watch out now. Really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Not mayo crap or yeah. mayo. Mayo yeah, is I'm not I, on mayo. Though, I'm never in general. I would never mayo eat mayo. Oreo. What's your number one pick on the condiment draft? Like not hot put the sauce. sauces aside. Oh. Ooh, hot sauce. Oh. Condiment sauce. Uh, condiment. So like mayo, mustard, ketchup. Yeah. There's only three of them. Is relish considered? I think that's a condiment. Yeah, count. relish is middle of the pack. I'd, I'd probably go mustard. Mustard goes too. on pretty much spicy everything. Mustard. Oh, with my one number of those, one like, pick. Dijon mustard. Yeah. So the problem yeah. is, I learned that I have an issue with uh, the spicy mustard, the Dijon. Is your mouth a little too sensitive I, to it? No. <laughs> Alex, <laughs> careful. <laughs> uh, I was unaware. Apparently, I like breathe in while I'm eating it. And it what burns at me. Do you <laughs> breathe in while you eat? Apparently, I didn't know this. No, How no, no. Next that? time you have you have spicy mustard, breathe in through your nostrils while you're eating, Sounds and like it like burns. Hot dog tonight. That's a big breath too. Burns the. Ha- what happened? That was a big nose joke. No, it, wasn't. it burns it was the hell out of your breath. nostrils. It's the worst, take man. I've been dealing with this for years, and now I just don't. I don't breathe anymore while I'm eating it, and it's it's completely fixed. Somebody says horseradish. The, nah, I'm out the, on horseradish. Who the hell breathes when they eat? <laughs> That's a good question. I've never even heard of that Like, before. I'll sniff my food before I eat it, but like, I don't B- do it while I'm BK eating it. BK acts like this is like a rare thing yeah. that nobody else has. Well, I don't know. 65780 Honestly, is the Air Comfort Service text line. Are there other people out there that when you eat, like, brown mustard, the spicy mustard. Oh, it should be brown. It, it burns the the you know what out of your nostrils because it does that for me. It it and I is ranch considered some I condiment? Consider that a, because I think I'd any put, dressing because I put I'd put ranch probably the ultimate number one because I could put that on well, anything. You, you could put ranch on a sandwich. Oh yeah, sandwich. You put ranch on a like hot a chicken dog. Chicken bacon ranch. What are we doing here? Oh, man. but you put it on a hot dog. Oh yeah, try it, dude. It is incredible. Ranch on hot dogs? Mm-hmm. Would you do? Here's my question though, because like you know my trick with the corn on the cob, I'll cut off the corn from the cob. Yeah, you're, really you're a winner. I'm not doing that if I go to a barbecue. If I go to somebody's barbecue, I'll just eat the corn off of the cob. Are you putting ranch onto your hot dog at somebody else's house? Yeah. Or are you just doing that in private? You know, I'm an open book, guys. I'll do it in public, just like I'll do it in private. What? Okay. The, the ranch on the stuff. Oh, yeah. And I'll do hot sauce. Hot sauce and ranch. I know hot sauce wasn't the have condiment. You ever, you hot ever, sauce will go on everything. Yeah, I, I know this one I've tried. I don't know if anybody else tried this. Barbecue on a hot dog? Barbecue yeah, sauce on a hot dog? I've seen that yeah. before. It's yeah, pretty good. It's good. That checks out. I just, I can't get over BK in the, yeah, just, A, the corn on the cob, because that's the first time I've ever heard that said. BK, I go to a, when I go to a barbecue, oh. I, I, do, I eat it off the cob. Someone said cyborg sauce. I put that on there. Somebody oh, said, yeah, did good. this yesterday at Perennial Brewery. Grain mustard on a pretzel totally burned the hell out of my nose. BK, I this saw you talking about during that segment. I was on Perennial man. yesterday. That's fair. Uh, 65780 is the comfort service text line. Somebody says cyborg sauce. They're uh, oh, sweet heat. Not a, no. not a big on the original Cybergs. Oh. The sweet heat sauce from Cybergs is incredible. Their original sauce is like, it cannot be touched. So freaking good. It's got that spicy, it's got that mustard it's kick to it. It's spicy at all. It's it sweet. Is. No, it's not sweet. It's got a little kick with some mustardy to it. It's really good. Right, Put a little some... blue cheese in there. Oh, watch out. Oh, blue cheese. Ew. Somebody says condiments are limited to things that can be squeezed out of a bottle. There's a lot of things that can be squeezed out of a bottle. Amen to that, brother. 
with Alex Ferrari on Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. You can squeeze Coming a lot of things out of 15 minutes. We're, getting, we're playing a game of <laughs> in or out. Coming up next, Blues fans agree on one thing for the Blues this offseason. We'll tell you what that is next. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. agree on a whole lot going into this offseason on everything jeremy rutherford put out a new piece in the athletic with a survey among all of the blues fans that answered the questions that he had and basically everything was kind of split for example what is the most pressing blues need for this offseason it was split basically in thirds one third set a top four defenseman, another third set a scoring forward, and another third set a net front presence. That's kind of how the majority of these things went, Alex. Same thing was true for Hoffman resigning or Schwartz resigning. Basically 50 50 on either side. There was one answer that pretty much everybody seemed to agree on in this, and it was who should the Blues go out and acquire this offseason? What is the number one player that you would like the Blues to go out there and get? Alex Ovechkin. No. Yeah. Tanner? I'm going to go with uh, Brandon Todd. Matthew Kachuk. That's oh, obvious. So 60% close. of the responses from more about 1,700 voters said the number one option for the Blues this offseason should be to go out and acquire Matthew Kachuk. Alex, is that where you're at right now? Is that Matthew Kachuk is like this? clear-cut number one he's the guy that answers all of your questions for the top line and then everything else from there is if the flames end up saying no okay now we can move on to whatever it's our the other consolation prize sure 100 correct the only answer in terms of an upgrade that matches what the blues need is matthew kachuk because what you said of that the vote that was split three ways of their biggest need top four defensemen net front presence top left winger well, guess what? Combine two of those three and you have your obvious number one answer, and it's Matthew Kachuk. Now, I know Gabriel Landeskog meets some of the criteria, but he still concerns me a little bit. He was number two on this list, by the way. Matthew Kachuk matches what the Blues... In my opinion, Matthew and Brady are two of the the few remaining old-school hockey players in the game today, where they will finish a check... They will put themselves right in front of the net, but they'll also finish goals where there's not a lot of guys who do that anymore. And I think what the Blues really lacked this past season was a guy who will throw his body into a defenseman to create a turnover and then go straight to the front of the net, not worried if the puck's going to hit them in the mouth as long as it finds its way into the back of the net. Blues didn't have that. Matthew Kachuk meets that. Now, can they pull off the deal? Well, this has just spiraled into like a huge thing now in the NHL rumor mill since Shane O'Brien, who was with you guys on Friday. Phenomenal interview, by the way. I was a little loopy when I was listening to it, but it was still a great interview. Oh, it was really good. Really good. Except for your questions, Tanner. But anyway, he I mean, he blew it out of the water with this. But then on top of it, the reports now have been asking Calgary, you know, is there any truth to list? And they're basically saying, you know, it's bull blank that there's a possibility that Matthew Kachuk gets traded. He matches what the Blues need, and I think you have to do everything you can to get him from Calgary. And if not, 
then you sidestep another direction. But that is the one thing that I think they need is a top left winger who goes to the front of the net. It's interesting because it's kind of the it, there. There's something called the the hedgehog concept that I read about this a long time ago. Did you just make this up? No. Um, it's basically where you find something that you're good at, you find something that you love, you find something that you can make money doing, and that's the career path that you should choose. Right? It's nailed it. The, the reason why I bring that up is because this is kind of where the Blues are with you find something that you need, you find a player that fills that need and then you find a way to go ahead and make that happen right that if you're a general manager that's what you're trying to accomplish in the offseason that third piece is where I think it's going to be tough for the Blues with Matthew Kachuk as much as he makes all the sense in the world here in St. Louis and we from the outside looking in can say hey that's the guy and he should be available because next year he's a restricted free agent he's probably not re-signing in Calgary they need to make a little bit of a shake-up it makes all the sense to trade him now while he's still got the as much value as possible Calgary might not agree with that assessment. And if they don't agree with the assessment that they should trade him now, if they want to wait until next offseason, doesn't much matter what Doug Armstrong offers, similar to where the Cardinals were with the Rockies and Nolan Arenado. If the Rockies didn't want to trade Nolan Arenado, didn't matter what John Mosaloc was willing to offer in 2019 and then into 2020. Now it's a question of when are they willing to actually sell? And I don't know what the answer to that is with Calgary. The other thing that was interesting to me on this, Alex, was they JR asked Blues fans, who is the Blues' best young player right now? And my my thought process going into this is if you ask the same question this time last year, I think almost every Blues fan would have said Robert Thomas. Every single Every single Blues fan. And now they ask the same question, and 61% of the responses were Jordan Cairo. Have we almost become too low on Robert Thomas at this point? And I'm not, I would agree. I would have answered uh, Jordan Cairo as well. I think he's their best player under the age of 23, which is what the question was. How much was Robert Thomas's season just a bunch of injuries that plagued him, and he ended up not having the season that we expected because of that? I personally don't know if it's just injuries because at the beginning of the season when he was healthy, the one thing we were talking about was how he doesn't shoot the puck and he needs to shoot the puck more. The reason 61% win on the side of Jordan Cairo is because he's a goal scorer and he shoots the puck and he creates offense. Robert Thomas has the ability to do that. And I still believe he's going to get to that level if he's with the blues, unless they decide to move on from him. I'm not sure, but he's 21 years old, like turning 22. He's still very young. But it makes the most sense that Jordan Cairo is the one that everyone looks at as the most promising young player because he converted in the scoring opportunities. And Robert Thomas is more of a playmaker. And when you're a playmaker, you got to have size down the middle. Like you can't be small and fast down the middle and not create offense unless you're Nathan McKinnon. But even he's a monster right now. So I think from Robert Thomas, the injuries had an effect on it because he never really got to that full potential. And the injuries around him had an effect on it because he never really had the same line mate. But the difference between Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo, in my opinion, this past season was Jordan Cairo made something out of nothing. And Robert Thomas struggled to do that. And I think if you're relying on the guys around Robert Thomas for him to be successful, you might be sadly mistaken. Whereas Jordan Cairo, you don't need to worry about who's with him because he's going to create offense himself. That's the fascinating thing to me about Robert Thomas. I think he would have some success on the second line. But I don't know that he's ready to be on the second line and take that load in terms of the minutes and that's where they get into some issues because when you drop him down to that third line, now you've got him with line mates that aren't the same presence offensively as the guys that he would play with on the second line. 
and that exposes some of his weaknesses. He's not as aggressive shooting the puck. And so now you've got a guy that's getting fewer minutes that doesn't like to shoot the puck. That's not with line mates that are great at converting those opportunities into scoring chances. And now you've got a guy that's just not producing all that much for you. And that's where Robert Thomas has kind of been stuck. And so you move him out on the wing as a result because he's not quite as uh, great defensively, responsible defensively as you would maybe like in some of these games. And it becomes kind of similar to what we've been talking about so much with the Cardinals, the snowball effect. And it, it starts to roll in that direction, despite the fact that this time last year, I remember it was you, me and Jamie were having conversations. We talked to Craig Berube about Robert Thomas. It was literally almost this time last year. And Craig Berube said he thinks that Robert Thomas has superstar potential. That's still in there. That Mm -hmm. didn't change over the course of one year. They just need to put him in the best position possible to get that out of him. And as much as I believe in the talent, and I do, I wonder if that's going to be possible here. Kind of like with the Joel Edmondson conversation we had, Alex. Mm Mm-hmm. I wonder if Robert Thomas is the guy that they're going to have to use in a hockey trade to be able to go acquire a superstar talent. And maybe Robert Thomas goes on to be a star elsewhere. I don't know if that same thing would happen here in St. Louis. I think, unfortunately, I think it's really applicable because if you think about it, it, Robert Thomas is not better than Ryan O'Reilly right now. So he's not going to be a number one center. Correct. And frankly, he's not better than Braden Shen as a number two center because Braden Shen can't work as a winger. And I think as a centerman, I would take Braden Chen over Robert Thomas any day right now because of the way Braden Chen plays. So you have two options. Robert Thomas is a third-line center where, like you just spoke of, you don't have a lot of talent that's going to be playing with him there. You know, maybe you put an Oscar Sundquist in that position if he's healthy, which is a benefit. Maybe Jordan Cairo goes there. Maybe Vladimir Tarasenko goes there. But you don't have the talent playing with him there that you're going to have in a top-two role. Or you move him to a wing. And this is a guy who we've talked a lot about that Craig Berube spoke about in the playoffs about needing to shoot the puck more. Well, that's not a winger. I was about to say, and on the wing, now you're just exposing the lack if of If you're not pulling in four or five shots a game as a winger, well, you're not going to score a lot of goals. So those two options don't match well with Robert Thomas. So frankly, if he's on the blues, you have to take your game to the next level to exceed expectations over a Braden Chen as a centerman, to force the hand of Chen being a third-line center or putting him on a wing. And if not then yeah, I think this is getting closer to a Robbie Fabry, Joel Edmondson territory of he might have to be a part of a hockey trade because he might not meet the potential that the Blues were hoping for here in St. Louis. That's Alex Ferrario. He's Tanner Hendrickson, and I'm Brandon Kiley. In 15 minutes, we're getting back to the Cardinals. Mike Schilt, he's running out of things to say. And where do you stand on the Cardinals right now? Are you frustrated? Are you mad? Or are you just getting to be the point of apathy where you're watching the first couple of innings, the Cardinals get down, you decide, you know what, I'm not wasting my time with this right now. We want to hear from you guys. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. The Rhino Shield mic drop feature is really what, where we want to hear from you today. It's on the 101 ESPN app. Open that bad boy up on your phone. Drop us a mic drop. We'll get to those coming up at 1.30. Coming up next, let's play a game of In or Out here on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service text line for in or out, guys. In or out. At the end of the first half of the regular season, so going into the All Star break. The Cardinals will be in the top three in the division. In or out, the Cardinals will finish the first half of the season in the top three in the NL Central. 
Right now, they're two back of the Reds for third place. Yeah, and they don't face the Reds before Correct. the All-Star break. They don't face anybody in the NL Central before the All-Star break other the than Cubs. the Cubs, right? Um, The Reds down the stretch have San Diego, Chicago, God, the Royals, and then Milwaukee. Yeah. Hey, the Royals are good. They're terrible. Oh, okay. Uh, I'll say I'm in on this. You're a couple games back on Cincinnati. Um, I, the, the hope really comes if the Cardinals can turn things around, and I just don't know if they can. But I, I think something. I think it will play into your cards, pun intended. Thank you very much. That you're still in the race come All Star break, and that will require kind of catching up with Cincinnati. Cincinnati's got a tough schedule, so yeah, I'll say I'm in on this. I think I'm out. I just Mr. Negative over here. I know, I know. But you're not hitting, you're not pitching. At least the Reds have some offensive guys they can rely on. I don't look at the Cardinals and go, that guy can carry me to a win if I need be. Maybe Goldie, but he's not hitting for power, so he's not going to be able to carry you. O'Neal's been okay this month. Carlson's been okay. But other than that, you don't have offense. So I'm going to say I'm out. I, I just see the Reds. They can steal a couple games with their bats. Their pitching's not great, but they, they can steal a couple games with their bats. I look at the Cardinals, and I said they can't do that with their pitching or their bats, so therefore I think they'll be fourth come All-Star break. I'm in. I'm just I'm cautiously optimistic about this team, and I honestly don't even know why at this point. Yeah. I was the highest one out of the three of us on the Cardinals coming into the season. I am leaning on those priors now. I, I think that they're better than what they've shown, but I'm running out of explanations, excuses, whatever you want to call them as to why they haven't reached that potential in about a month now. I mean, I, we mentioned this earlier today. The Cardinals lost Jack Flaherty on, what was it, May 31st. And at that point in time, they were 30 and 23, first place in the NL Central. Since then, they're 7 and 17. They're now in fourth place in the NL Central, and they're eight games back of the Brewers. Wow. I mean, it's just such a dramatic shift over the course of almost exactly the last month where the team went from feeling really good about where they were in first place in the division to being fourth place in the two of you saying, yeah, it's going to be tough for or at least Tanner saying that it's going to be tough for them to get back into third. I'm sticking with them. I'm going to say that they stay or they get back up into third place going into the all-star break. But looking at the schedule, it becomes very difficult to do that unless you take probably you got seven against Arizona and Colorado, probably five and two over the next seven games at I, a minimum. I think you I think this series that starts tonight against the Diamondbacks, you need to sweep it. Probably. This is the slump buster. If you don't come out of this with a series win, then I would change my answer to out. If you come out of this with three of four, I'm back in on it. I think this is a pivotal. And look, I, I said it in the opening of the show. I think after the Pirates, I'm looking at this team saying, boy, this is not good. You need to change after the Diamondbacks. And if you lose that series, then yeah, you absolutely need to change. But if you can come out of this on the other side, maybe you put yourself in a good position. And, and I think we're kind of downplaying this Colorado series. Though it is Colorado and though they are bad and it feels like a series that you should win, it's always very difficult to go into Colorado, pitch in the thin air, and granted, Colorado doesn't have good pitching either, then it's going to come down to your offenses. That's right series. now, I don't know if I have much more faith in the Cardinals offense than I do the, the Rockies The Rockies are 25-16 and 16 at home this year. That series you sets you up for a, uh, a huge Austin Gomber shutout against you, I have a feeling. The Rockies are 25-16 and 16 at home. The Cardinals are 17-23 and 23 on the road. We definitely shouldn't overlook that series. Um, and the Cardinals, as of now, 
It looks like Gomber is not scheduled to pitch in that series. Cardinals are going to win. As of then. now, that could change. Oh, wow, we get a break. Depending on what happens, but they, as of today, they are not scheduled. Six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service text line for in or out from the six six three six guys in or out. The Blues end up not being able to trade for Matthew Kachuk and then land Gabriel Landeskog in free agency. The Blues end up signing Gabriel Landeskog in free agency. I'll, say, I'll say I'm out on this, um, and here's why. I think Matthew Kachuk is the, that's the gold standard of what Doug Armstrong wants and needs for this team. Maybe you don't pull that off this offseason, but in my opinion, he's going to be a Blue. Because he's a restricted free agent. He's not re-signing with Calgary. The best thing he'll do in Calgary is sign a one-year deal that gets him to unrestricted free agency. And then he goes and where he wants, and my guess would be St. Louis. If you want Matthew Kachuk, and if I'm the Blues, I want Matthew Kachuk. I'm not going to spend the money on Gabriel Landeskog. That might keep me out of the Matthew Kachuk sweepstakes. Because if you want Landeskog, you're looking at 7 or $8 million if he decides to go to free agency. So, no, I'm out on this. I think if I can't get Landeskog, I'm looking at another trade that might help me for this season, but also set me up to acquire Matthew Kachuk, or I'm looking at the other options that are available in free agency. So I say I'm out on this. I think I'm with you. I'm out. I don't know if the Blues will pull off a Kachuk thing this year. That's why I think you're talking about what you are, Alex, where you're saying save up on the money this year a little bit. Go get another option. Plus, I still kind of think Landeskog will return back to uh, – Colorado. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Too. I, to, if I'm him, I don't know if I want to leave there. Maybe because you want more money, but if I'm him, I would stay where they're guaranteed to win. He comes to St. Louis, there's no guarantee. He's the quick solution. There's still more moves that Army would have to make in the offseason. By the way, my apologies. I I missed this. Austin Gomber is on the injured list, so that's why he's not well, part my of apologies. the I missed scheduled it too. starters. I did not see that. Um, that is why he's not on the list of scheduled starters. But he might come off the IL just in time for a game against the Cardinals and throw a shutout. <laughs> I'm out with both of you guys. Um, I don't think they're going to sign Gabriel Landeskog this offseason. I just don't get yeah. the vibe that that's the way they're going. I think if they make a big splash, I think it's going to be via trade. I think the biggest signing might be a defenseman and the biggest trade will be how they answer their questions on the top line. Not forward. a defenseman. Two defensemen. Jamie Alexiak. Not oh. two defensemen. Specifically. Jamie Alexiak. I think I think that's the way that this ends up going. If Ovi, I had to make a prediction. Ovi will look good in blue. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service Ovi. tax line from the 636. Guys, in or out, you miss Mike Matheny as the Cardinals manager. Out. <laughs> what are the Royals record? Not good. No, we're good. And I, I'd argue that the Royals might have a little bit more talent than the Cardinals right now in terms of depth of lineup. That might it, honestly be fair. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of like even. <laughs> well, they're performing worse than the Cardinals. Yeah. So no, I'm good. Thanks. Keep going with what you're doing, Mike. Yeah, I'm out on this. How, I, how could you be in on this? Can we talk about Mike Schilt for a sec? Oh, that's what we were doing all day today. Mike Schilt's not the problem for this team. Are we sure? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Pretty Jeff Howard, sure. I get it. I think Mike Schilt's a good manager. It's Michael Gersh, isn't it? I'm oh. certainly not suggesting he is perfect. He's not. I think there's been some some issues at times, but Mike Schilt's a perfectly adequate manager. There's like 25 guys that are managers in Major League Baseball that don't make a significant sway one way or the other. I think Mike Schilt's in that. I think there's like maybe two at the top end and... Maybe there's closer to like five at the bottom. So maybe it's 23 in the middle, right? Mike Matheny bottom five. Out. Yeah, probably. Where it, it makes a significant difference in a bad way if they are who's managing your team on a day-to-day basis. 
Mike Schultz seems to be really good in the locker, the the clubhouse. The guys like him. They he he keeps their head on straight. Like the, that stuff matters. Great, he's got a great laugh. That stuff uh-huh. does matter. As much as we sometimes can laugh at it, make fun of it, matters if you're keeping the morale up in the clubhouse. But there are some questions about the coaching staff right now, and that does eventually fall on Mike Schilt. So that's that's where I will say, like, if there is an issue with Mike, we haven't seen this yet because it's it's very early in his managerial uh, tenure. Maybe loyalty is a bit of an issue for him, showing too much loyalty to coaches. I don't know that to be true, but that's one thing that maybe you could say. I want to ask you this because you mentioned keeping the clubhouse together, and I brought this up on Friday when we were talking about Jeff Albert and how I felt maybe if we still see Jeff Albert, there's a split between the front office and the coaching staff. If Tommy Edmond comes out and speaks out against what we assume is to be against Jeff Albert, and we could be wrong. Does that make you think that Mike Schultz might be losing a little bit of that locker room? Or am I speculating too much and reading too much into it? But I I also don't think that's just speaking out against Jeff Albert. I think, I mean, that's speaking out of the whole coaching staff. Like Mike Schultz is in charge of everyone. And if somebody's not prepared, that falls on Mike Schultz. I'm with you. And look, I'm the guy that says, I don't feel like firing coaches does anything. At some point you have to look at your players and sit there and say, okay, what's wrong here? I'm torn with this. Like I'm the, I'm the uh, patented BK on the fence situation with Mike Schilt, because on one hand I have seen the Mike Schilt in the clubhouse. I know how much he matters to those guys and I know he does keep them level headed. But on the flip side of that, I think in a manager's position, you need somebody who, who lights a fire under these players. You so need, I think he does that. I just don't think we see it publicly. I don't think he does though, because we don't see it. We don't see the fire the from them. Okay, that's that's a fire under guy. I, I think that's Mike Schilt. I think that was one when of they're first- winning. But what does he do when they're losing? Because you need somebody who gets guys buying in when they're losing. You can get everybody on board with a pump up speech and drop f bombs when you're winning series. What do you do when you're losing series? One thing we should not do is assume that what he's saying in the media is also what he's saying in the clubhouse. I agree 100% with that. And I think sometimes that is a mistake that is made because I can promise you Mike Schilt is not going into that locker room after the game on Sunday and saying, we battle, battled our asses off. Because the players the would call BS a little on different. that. Yeah. yeah. The, I, the, the players are smart. Yeah. They can see right through when a manager is trying to polish a piece of turd they can see through that easily and i don't think mike schilt does a lot of that i know it might feel that way when he's talking to the media there's nothing he can say in the post-game press conference to the media right now that's going to fix what's happening right now with this team and look by no means do i feel like mike schilt needs to come out to the media and just throw guys under the bus that's not what i'm saying here and i'm with you i think people need to stop reading into what he's saying to the media and believe that he's saying something different to the players in the locker room because I don't think it's the same man you hear that's with those players but on the flip side of that I I just feel like there's there's a lack of intensity from Mike Schilt and maybe I'm incorrect on this maybe I need to talk to more people around the organization but I feel like I feel like you're missing a little bit of an element there from Mike Schilt that the players desperately need I think there's an interesting point that you're making there and Correct me if I'm wrong here, Alex. When you're saying this, are you thinking TLR? Is yeah. that the image that's that you exactly have in your mind? why I have in my mind? Because we've had the laid-back manager that defends his players, and look what happened. I think that what's happening is in St. Louis, there is a specific vision of what a winning manager looks like, and it's Whitey and it's TLR. That's not how it is across a lot of baseball right now. Like Dave Roberts. 
the Dodgers manager, I think he's a pretty good manager. I think he's super successful. Do you see him getting super fired up? I've literally never seen it. But he wins a lot. AJ Hinch, I know we can get all of our jokes off, but he's a good manager. He is. Him getting mad. But see, I don't look at those managers and put comps because the roster dictates those managers' success. Like the Dodgers have an awesome roster in front of Dave Roberts. I look at a team like the Milwaukee Brewers with Craig Council. Do you see Craig Council getting super fired up? I've seen him get fired up a couple of times. I think the same way that Mike Schilt does, though, like getting tossed from games. I don't see a whole lot of. To the Dodgers' point, though. Don Mattingly was it Don Mattingly? Yeah, Don Mattingly was there, and he never won with that roster. And I could argue that the Dodgers put together some really good rosters back then. That arguably you could say, if I threw Mike Matheny or not Mike Matheny, uh, Mike Schilt on that roster, they should win. But I, I Don Mattingly didn't do it. And that's nothing to rip on Don Mattingly. It's just one of those things that you, It's one of those things that you just. I, I can't put a finger on why, but it just doesn't feel like it matches. Like uh, you I think lo- what you're saying, I've seen it elsewhere. I, I certainly do not think you're alone on that. I just look at uh, Gabe Kapler. Is that the name I'm thinking of? Mm-hmm. Like he was the Phillies manager and it didn't work. He goes to San Francisco and look at the success he's having right now, right? Like you look for the right match in a manager with a team. And again, I'm not saying that Mike Schilt's the wrong guy. I'm just saying, I don't know if the match is there, which is part of the reason why I wonder if the struggles are happening. It's fair to question I just think a lot of this comes down to in 2021, a manager, I think you made a good point with with Dave Roberts. A manager is pretty much as good as his team is. Yeah. You're, you're as good as your options are on your roster. The Cardinals don't have great options right now. And so Mike Schilt looks a little worse as a result of that. I always just question what happens from when your team's successful to when they struggle in the middle of a season, right? Like they were successful for a reason. And I'm not talking about the injuries because that's the pitching staff, the offense, the offense. We talked on the air about how it felt like it was fixed and we weren't blaming Jeff Albert. And we were talking what happened from that point to now. And that's where as much as I want to look at the players, you also have to look at the management and say, okay, what's going wrong here? With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendricks, and I'm Brandon Kylie. We're going to talk a little bit more about this on the other side. We want to hear from you guys. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. The Rhino Shield mic drop feature is on the 101 ESPN app. Where are you at on the Cardinals right now? And more specifically, where are you at on this coaching staff right now? Yes, that includes Mike Schilt. Are you at the point of apathy? Are you frustrated? What do you want to see done? We'll hear from you guys. The Rhino Shield mic drop features on the 101 ESPN app. We'll give you our answers on that coming up next on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. That's Alex Ferrario and he's Tanner Hendricks and I'm Brandon Kylie. We want to hear from you guys to finish out the show today. If you missed anything from today's show, by the way, you can check out the podcast page. It's all presented by I promise at 101 ESPN.com, the free 101 ESPN app. We had a really good conversation earlier with Mike Farron of MLB Network Radio. He explained why he thinks the Cardinals uh, right now are undecided on whether or not they should be a buyer or a seller at the trade deadline. Where are you at on this team right now? Because if you're somebody that's frustrated and you're you want you're calling for jobs and I, I get it. If you're somebody that's apathetic at this point and you turn on the game and you see him go down three nothing and you turn it off because you know that lead's going to be insurmountable, I get that too. I totally understand whatever your reaction has been over the last month to what we've seen from Cardinals baseball. So we want to hear from you. Six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service text line. The Rhino Shield mic drop features on the one hundred one ESPN app. Let's start out with Brandon. Okay, guys. There's just too much negativity. All y'all talk about is this, this, and that, and negative and negative. Be positive. 
they're going to turn around, and they're going to win the division, and they're going to win the World Series. So that's my thought. Was that BT? I, I tell you all the time, BK, that you are so negative all the time. Like, try and be positive more. Jeez. I was the one that said two weeks ago they were going to the NLCS. <laughs> well, Tina, it must be you then. Yeah, this team stinks. Brandon doesn't like that. Stop it. Sorry, Brandon. I want nothing more than for them to be good. I really do. Do you know how much better our jobs are? How much more fun our jobs are when this team is winning yeah, than when they're losing? Sucks. Did you guys like exercise your demons on Friday? Oh, we forgot to do the we, sage. We need to look into this. We need what to we exercise do? these demons. We forgot to do the sage. We're supposed to walk around the studio. Sacrifice with a sage. chicken. Light BK on fire. Nope. You guys are supposed to do these things. Just the sage. Oh, just the sage. <laughs> We're just oh, going okay. with the sage God this time around. That's the only way we can get this thing back on track. You know what? Tomorrow, let's get some sage. Tomorrow, we'll we'll light it around the studio. Anybody? Don't tell any of the bosses. I'm sure they won't Any, mind. Anybody know where you get sage from? At Walmart. 65780 is comfort service tax line if you've got any Google answers it. for that. Let's hear from Courtney on the Rhino Shield mic drop. First off, stop building this team to win a division yeah. that's the weakest in baseball for the past uh, 10 years. Build a team fast. that can win championships. Then you'll see the change that you want. You have a bunch of outfielders that would be bench players on other teams. You got an all-star third baseman you brought in to be a savior. You have a declining first baseman. You have a declining shortstop. And you're expecting miracles. Come on. Way to let it all out there, Courtney. And by the way, the NL East is a lot worse than the NL Central. Come on. Uh, Is it, though? Yeah. Is it? Um, I don't agree on the outfield point. If there's anything the Cardinals have done well this year, their their outfield's been pretty good. I think what you've seen so far this year from Dylan Carlson is exactly what we expected. Uh, maybe a little less power, but overall, this has been a good season for Dylan Carlson. 15 doubles, 7 home runs. He's on pace for he's 30 doubles and 15 homers. That's pretty yeah, much what honestly, we expected coming honestly, into Honestly, I don't know... I mean, Tyler, Tyler O'Neill's having a breakout season. Well, that's what I'm saying. Win healthy. I don't know if any of your outfielders are a bench player on other teams. No. I think Harrison Bader's defense put him, puts him in the starting yeah. lineup. Uh, Lars Newpar is the only one. And Lars Newpar shouldn't even be up here right now. Lars Newpar should be in the minors continuing to perform the way he was. But he's up here because of the injuries and because nobody else is hitting. So I, I would argue that on Courtney because I don't think your outfield are bench players. You do have a declining shortstop. Paul Goldschmidt, I don't know if he's declining. He's just kind of riding this this average line where it's not going to be any better. It's not going to be any worse. It's going to be right around what you expect. I think I think Goldie's getting better. Um, this month he's batting two seventy five with an eight thirty five on uh, OPS. I think Goldie's perfectly fine. What you've seen from him in the month of June is basically Paul Goldschmidt hitting like Paul Goldschmidt again. Uh, he just had a really bad start to the season, really bad April, and that kind of threw off his numbers for the season. I think he's fine. DeYoung is very concerning, and what you've seen from the offense as a whole is is certainly concerning. But it's it's difficult for me to put my finger on what exactly it is because Arenado's been fine. Goldie's been pretty good of late. Uh, O'Neill's having a breakout season. Carlson is a rookie of the year candidate. The things that you wanted to happen, if I told you all of these things before the season, Alex, we would have all been like, well, okay, yeah, season's probably going pretty well. But it's been the opposite of that. Yeah, well, it's it's strange. And it's not consistent either. Like, you get a week where one guy's doing that and then the rest aren't. Like, you haven't had a game 
in a really long time, it feels like, where everyone's clicking on the same page. 100% true. That's the problem. Uh, let's go back out to the Rhino Shield mic drop feature. This one comes from Eric. I've gone to the point of full apathy with the Cardinals at this point. Uh, I don't even bother ball? turning the games on. I will check the scores and then laugh when I notice they're down 7 to nothing to the Pirates and then it's just go, up on, go on about my night. It's not funny. Wish I could do that. I wonder what the strangest or worst thing somebody has watched to avoid watching the Cardinals is lately. Like, have you found yourself watching like hoarders on TLC instead of watching the Cardinals? Hoarders makes me sick. Can't watch that. (laughs) Nasty. I I get that. I bet you there are some people that are like, you know what? Uh, You look over to your wife or your husband and they want to watch something other than the Cardinals. You're like, I go for it. Normally I would say no, but just go ahead, go ahead and put it on. Uh, the, the sister wives. Yeah. We'll watch that tonight. That's fine. Whatever. Oddly specific about it. Are you big sister wives fan, BK? I'm not. My fiance is. I can't watch it. I can't, I can't do it. Well, the, the, <laughs> I've seen enough. The, the tough part is for the Cardinals right now, at least for me is you, you have playoffs in other sports going on. Like you turn on the hockey, you got basketball, you have that action on. Uh, oddly, I've stuck through these games, and I know a lot of people so may not have. I've been watching Storage Wars, another downtown Abbey, Forensic Files. Naked and Afraid. That's the show to need to be watching. That's the show to need Naked and Afraid. People are watching a lot other than the Cardinals right now. Somebody said the College World Series. I'd rather watch that. It's better than Cardinals baseball right now. Yikes. I, I get it, man. Yikes. I really do. You're right, though. Having Having playoffs for other sports right now is... Tough competition, head to yeah. head. It's definitely apathy, though, because I mean, I'm I'm where the, the Eric is, right? Like as soon as they go down by two nothing, I'm like, okay, this one's done, and then you'll flip to a Stanley Cup final game, or you'll slip, flip to an NBA playoffs game, and then you'll flip back, and it would still be the same score. I'd be like, yep, kind of met my standards on it. Like they haven't had that game where they make a push late, where I'm like, oh, I got to go back to this because the Cardinals can turn it back on. And remember the first month of the season? Every time they were down, the eighth inning, you had to turn it back on because you expected them to find some type of comeback. And they just don't have that fight right now, which is frustrating. It's weird. That's the other thing that I was going to mention. You go to, whether it be the Stanley Cup final coming up here shortly, uh, you're going to hear that, by the way. The entire series will be broadcast right here on 101 ESPN, beginning with game one tonight, pregame coverage at... At 630 if you go to that you go to the NBA playoffs whatever you're watching there's energy there's excitement and I know part of that is because it's the playoffs but that's just how those teams play that's why they are still playing at this point in the season Cardinals don't have that there's just not a lot of energy right now the only guy that seemingly has it on a night-to-night basis is Newt Bar. Mm-hmm. He has definitely brought some of that with him to the big league club, but otherwise it's just the man ugh. who has his tongue out when he crosses home plate and scores a run. Like that's the energy. That's the fire that the Cardinals need. And he finally brought it. The problem is you're just not getting it from everyone else. He's Alex Ferrario. That's Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. We'll cross things over with the fast lane next. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. He's Tanner Hendrickson, and I'm Brandon Kylie. We're crossing things over. Anthony Stolter's in studio with us. What's going on, man? Oh, uh, nothing. Fantastic weekend, huh? Certainly. Good NBA. Lots of Stanley Cup playoffs. Totally. 
I saw good baseball too. When College World Series was awesome. Pirates. You turn good. on that Cubs Dodgers game. Brewers look good. I bet uh, you were watching Dodgers. Fernando Tatis Jr. Yes, I was. The Cubs combined three no home hitter. runs. Three home runs. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of good Shohei baseball. Shohei Otani putting on a show. <laughs> Always. Beast Your boy mode. Trey Mancini has been yes. accepted All-Star to the home game. run derby. That's yeah. a cool story, by the way. It's an awesome story. That's a really there. There's actually a lot of cool storylines going on in baseball right now. We don't talk about enough of them probably because we focus on you know the foreign substance thing and the Cardinals not being good. We'll go ahead and skip over that one for now. Um, but there's a lot of cool stuff going on in baseball right now. A lot of really cool stories around the league. Yeah, there is. And it is unfortunate that you're right, BK, that we have to continue to focus on the foreign substance deal. I mean, I, I care, but I don't. Are you guys in the same spot? Yes. Like, yeah. I I care because I don't want to to watch, you know, altered altered games. But the same same point, I just want to watch the games. And, and, and honestly, like that, what, with what happened with, I don't even remember what his name is. Santiago. Did you even know who that guy was before that happened? Well, yeah. Stalter did because yeah. he's betting on every game. Well, that's but. true. That makes a lot of sense then. So just putting Thumbs all that up. money down on Santiago. By the way, his facial reaction to them taking his glove looked like, oh, damn, they caught me. <laughs> He said it was just rosin. I I yeah. don't know. I if it's rosin and sunscreen, I don't care. No, no. just move on and let's keep going. I will say there was this, some guy put out uh, the other day a study on where the spin rates have gone basically since the start of all of this crackdown, and I mean they are plummeting. The spin rates across the league are down to like three years ago rates, which I guess is good. That's good. Uh, the problem is the Cardinals aren't seemingly benefiting at all from that. Right. Not only are they going up against pitchers that are like losing all of their spin rates, they're also going up against just bad pitchers. And it doesn't matter. I don't understand. Could you imagine you're Mike Schilt? You're like, all right, I'm going to jumpstart my offense. I'm going to start calling these guys out. Uh, he touched his head. He touched his head. Somebody check him. They're going to stop using the monkey balls, and then we're going to start hitting right. baseballs. What he should have did against the Pittsburgh Pirates rookie, right? This guy was G- dealing. Faria guy that's going tonight for the, uh, the Diamondbacks. Mm-hmm. He's he's definitely getting checked. A lot of spider tech. Definitely checking him. It's amazing to me that Wade LeBlanc is now the, the, the savior of the starting rotation. I mean, it is bad, gentlemen. You know what Mike Schilt needs to do? Mike Schilt needs to do with Joe Girardi. He needs to stand at the top step, look over at the other team's bench, and say, let's go, bro, right now. This Jake Faria guy doesn't know what's going to come at him tonight. Him and his four innings that he's so- thrown so far this year. It's going to be great. I can't wait to watch game. it. Arizona Arizona does have the worst pitching, top to bottom, in the entire league. I don't care anymore. If it you doesn't can't, matter. If <laughs> you can't figure these guys out, good luck. Good I said luck. that about Detroit. I said that about Pittsburgh. Yeah, Pittsburgh's yeah. pitching's bad. Pittsburgh. <laughs> it's Pittsburgh. all bad. Well, until they meet the Cardinals, you, then you, you know get a five bad? innings. The team that was going up against Detroit and Pittsburgh. That's what Stoltz, what's coming up today on the fast lane, man. We've been doing this for four hours. He's angry. Done. He's angry, Stoltz. Uh, well, at least he's still angry instead of apathetic. That's Let's see here. True. We got Danny Mack at 2.30. Oh, baby. We got Jimmy Ball game at 3.30. Maybe he's got some ideas about the Cardinals' offense. Oh, him, Ryan Ludwig, they're giving all the hitters ideas of how to hit. We talked to Matt Holiday on Friday. He has great stuff. He's I mean, amazing. Yeah. Matt Holiday was awesome with you guys on Friday, by he's, the way. He was really good. He always is. He's just he's just a fun guy to talk to. He's great. Yeah. So there you go. And, of course, we'll break down the losses again. What? That's the, coming the up from 2 to losses, 6. Losses, Tanner. I'm sure you guys will have fun with it, though. Yeah. You'll you find guys, a way to have fun You guys fun always it. have fun. We try to, and always. then we get yelled at by the tax line, and then we say, okay, 
Yeah, well, we got a we got we got a mic drop that told us we were being too negative. Cardinals are going to win this series, then they're going to win the NL Central, then they're going to win the World Series. You know what? The NL Central, the NL Central is not great. So I actually back. What? You're eight back. Yeah. By the way, have you seen Colton Wong's numbers? Three percent chance to win the division to make the playoffs. One and a half for division. Well, the only way this team makes the playoffs is the division. There's no wild card available for the NL Central. No. They're in the West. That's correct. So there's one spot. you got to win the division. It's two, bad, it's two bad divisions and then the NL West. Yeah. That's what we have right now in the, in the National Stoltz League. the fast lane coming up next. We'll be t- back tomorrow at 11 on 101 ESPN. Woohoo! It's a me, Mario. You've been listening to the BK and Ferrario podcast, powered by I Promise. Peloton's best offer of the season is here. Get up to $300 off accessories when you purchase a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. Choose from a variety of accessories, like our cycling shoes, a heart rate monitor, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. If you've been looking for a sign to join Peloton, this offer gives you everything you need to get going. This limited-time offer ends November 28th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer starts November 14th and ends November 28th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.